WWE Hall of Famer Teddy Long, and you're about to go one on one with Talking Taker. Holla. Take it easy. Take it easy. I got you. Take it easy. <laughs> I'm running down the road with Barbera in tow I got 15 titles on my mind Seven world ones, one hardcore And seven tags with four different guys I Take her easy, take her easy Don't let the sound of gongs and bells drive you crazy Lights open, raise my hands don't even try to understand the supernatural dead man. So take her easy. Well, I'm standing on the corner of Death Valley, California. Such a bright fire I see. It's my house, my Lord, burned to the floor. Lost my parents, brother, everything. Come on, Kane. Paul Bearer took me in as his and tried to train me. Rarely lose, I usually win. I never thought I'd see you again. You opened up the cell and climbed in so freaking easy. Call me big evil, not red, but do call me American. Take her easy, take her easy. Don't let the sound of limbus get drive you crazy. Come on, fancy, you bury me. I'm coming back, it's the dead man. Take her easy Talking Taker, episode 216 of our encyclopedic exploration, dig up the career of the greatest professional wrestling character of all time, The Undertaker. That's right, my name is Alex Dorio, I am one half of the Creatures of the Night, loyal member of the Pod Street crew, and I want to welcome all of you out there to yet another round of Dead Man Talking. I am joined as always by my tag team partner, my wrestling buddy, my fellow PSK member, he is a graduate of Monstors University. He is, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's a nice shirt there brother, Yeah, man. the pocket tee, mm-hmm, did, did I get mm-hmm. you that? You did. Okay, did. I forgot. It was a couple years ago. I forgot my PSK hat, though. I, I did, too. To... I have to wear that next yeah. month. I hope you 
in the wintertime, I'll wear it. Keep this mane <laughs> under wraps. That's right. Yeah, well, I'm talking also to the master of pod right here. I'm talking to Georgia Red. I'm talking to Mr. <laughs> yes, Travis <sir>. White. <laughs> Travis. Oh, it's almost football time, baby. Sorry. Right. It started on Saturday, actually. I watched a little week little, zero. I watched a little week zero. I couldn't help myself. Um but man, are you ready tonight? Do you got your, your walking shoes on to go walking in Memphis? Yet again, <laughs> Mark Tone. Yeah, I'm ready to walk in Memphis, baby. I'm walking my t- feet ten feet off a beal, dude. Absolutely. I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> well, I say that uh, we're talking about the main event monsters tonight. Um, it, it, we've tried to build this up, but in case you don't know, this episode is going to be a sequel to an episode Travis and I did a couple of years ago, talking about. I can't believe it had been 2021, dude. It I thought was, I just swore it was last. No, like, I remember that night recording it so well because it was so fun. So anyway, the time the time has flown by. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, we did an episode in 2021 covering not the Undertaker, but the man who would go on to be Undertaker, Mark Calloway. This guy he looked a lot more like this right here. Uh, but even before he was Mean Mark, he was the master of pain in Jerry Lawler's territory in Memphis, Tennessee. And I mean, Travis and I, we haven't laughed that hard maybe ever in the history of recording this compilation oh. of the master of pain facing the likes of um, you know, Dutch Mantel, Lord Humongous, um, Freezer Thompson, you know, the, those type of big names. Me, Freezer Thompson. <laughs> the one and only. <laughs> Uh, you know, main eventing at the high school. Uh, yeah. <laughs> high school. <laughs> oh, it was good stuff. Well, Travis, uh, you know, he stumbled upon a YouTube clip of something <laughs> and sent that to me a couple weeks ago. We are going to cover it here tonight, but it inspired us to make our own little compilation of some more Master of Pain. We're also going to dig into a couple of other gimmicks The Undertaker had back in the 80s before he became The Undertaker. <clears throat> so we're going to talk about him in Texas as Texas Red. Right. And uh, we are. Texas Red, and then we're also going to talk about him in Japan, which we uh, we covered one Japanese match uh, on an episode a while back, but we're going to talk, cover another one of him as Punisher Dice Morgan. So it's going to be a big hodgepodge. P-D-M. That's yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, L.A. Night Wishes. He had the charisma of old Dice Morgan. Oh, <laughs> oh, which name do you like better, Dice Morgan or L.A. Night? I mean, they're both straight from the 80s, dude. I, don't, I love them both. So I can't pick. That that could be a like a buddy cop show in the 80s. Well, your, Dyson Morgan and LA Knight. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Oh, oh man. man. So a lot of fun stuff. It's going to be a great episode. Uh, but before we get into that, and even really before we get into our Undertaker sightings, uh, we do have some, you know, uh, some heavier stuff to cover here, of course. A very tragic week in the world of wrestling. Uh, by the time this comes out, yeah. it'll be a little bit over a week uh, since the wrestling world lost two icons, two greats. One with an incredible 50-year career, just you know, someone who's probably up there in, in just the, the, the Mount Rushmore of professional wrestling performers. The late, great Terry Funk passed away and then you know uh even more sadly was the loss at a young age it's crazy travis younger than younger us, than us. Yeah. uh it's always very scary and sad when that happens but uh yeah travis has the fireflies out uh in memory of Wyndham rotunda aka bray wyatt and uh you know a guy who packed into 
um, 11 years on the WWE main roster, a Hall of Fame career. You know, yeah. We wish it could have gone as long as Terry Funk did, but... Uh, and he was probably well on the way towards that type of career. This was a guy you knew, who you knew was going to be around uh, a lifer. Uh, but yeah. even in that short amount of time, he really gave us so much. And uh, let, let's talk about let's talk about both of them here. You know, Terry Funk didn't have much to do with The Undertaker. Um, he will always be uh, tied to him in that <laughs> Hell in a Cell match. He was Joe, man, yeah. He chokes him out of his shoes. That's my favorite part of the whole match. An incredible moment, of course. But certainly a guy who I'm sure Undertaker would probably tell you was one of his favorite performers to watch, somebody who influenced him. Um, What will you remember about Terry Funk, Travis? Ex-sucking dog. (laughs) I just, I'll remember he's wild, dude. He's just a maniac. Like, I wasn't introduced to him probably until I started getting into wrestling. You know, he was on the latter end of his career. You know, and I'm seeing him main event uh, the first ECW pay-per-view and beat uh, my boy, Raven, you know, and uh, just seeing that and what he didn't have to do that for the business. He's doing what Sting is doing now for AW, you know, like this older guy doesn't have to do it, but having a career revitalization. And then, okay, I think he was in ECW 97 by 98 rolls around. He's in WWF. He's on WrestleMania uh, 14. Yeah. And then by the time 99 rolls he's around, doing, he's in WCW doing hardcore matches. He's doing jobs to D'Lo Brown yeah. on Monday Night yeah. Raw, like we talked about on that episode a couple weeks ago. But then even it's after crazy that, moonsault. He's, crazy sideways moonsault is great. He headlines One Night Stand, ECW yeah. One Night Stand in 2006, in his yeah. 60s. So, he was in mm-hmm. his 60s. He just, I don't think anybody's ever said a bad word about him, you know? I mean... He's just crazy, and he's awesome, and he was entertaining. He had the sports entertainment part down, and he inspired one of my favorites, Mick Foley. I mean, he inspired Mick, and look what they got to do together. And just he's inspired so many guys. There would be no John Moxley if there's no Terry Funk, you know, at all. You know, guys like that. No, I think no, no Austin, honestly. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, a guy who brought that energy, which. Uh, you you never you felt like you didn't know what was going to happen, and, and maybe he didn't know either. And maybe he didn't know what movie yeah. he was going to do next or what he was going to say next. And you felt that come across, and that's hard, really hard to do. And and so much of wrestling now feels it's cliche, cliche to say, but it feels so scripted and and so uh, rehearsed and everything. And you never felt that way with Terry Funk. Um, uh, Moxley's a, a, a good comparison to bring up and a guy who's definitely influenced by him and brings that style but it's severely lacking in today's wrestling but um yeah. i mean I, I you could definitely I mean, just, just go back through the years and pick so many classic matches to watch for, of his and i i would go rent fmw tapes and buy them on you know ebay and stuff just to watch his crazy death matches and stuff. him lighting cactus on fire and the, the the brand i just i mean it was just like it was as a 13 year old 14 year old i was like this guy's insane but I loved it. Then I started watching his old stuff, you know, him and Dory and all that stuff. It's just, it's awesome, man. His clashes with Flair. This is great. Yeah, he Dusty. didn't have to go do all that hardcore stuff, but he no. just, he wanted to reinvent himself. He loved the business. He wanted to participate in it. You know, his body couldn't let him do quite the same things, but he would just, you know, change up the style. Even still, he would do moonsaults and stuff. Yeah. Like at a, in his 40s and 50s. It's yeah. just an incredible Crazy sideways performer. Yeah. It's it's much like I never thought I'd say this, but it's much like Sting nowadays. Mm-hmm. I mean, Sting has emulated sort of that Terry Funk style and is doing all this hardcore stuff in his sixties. Yeah, um, it's wild to see. It's crazy. He will be missed. Yeah, we'll miss Terry for sure. Uh, his was kind of expected. Though. I mean, he's seventy nine years old. You yeah, know? we kind of were like, okay, 
I'm not surprised. I knew he was in bad health, but this next one, man, go ahead. Yeah, this next one got me. <laughs> it certainly did. It got everybody. Bray Wyatt passing away. Um, a guy who, when he burst onto the scene there on the main roster in 2012, you just, you felt that Undertaker influence to him. Yeah, you, you, you thought immediately, oh, it, wouldn't it be great if Bray Wyatt could face The Undertaker? And, of course, they did. They, Bray Wyatt will go down as part of Undertaker's WrestleMania legacy. Uh, not really mm-hmm. part of the streak, uh, but certainly part of that Undertaker legacy, which is a huge honor. And then uh, was a part of Undertaker's um, 20th, I'm sorry, 25th anniversary there at, WrestleMania, or at Survivor Series, Survivor Series. in uh, 2015. Um, Undertaker and Kane against Bray Wyatt and uh, Luke Harper. And it's hard both to gone. believe. Yeah, that was only eight years ago. And both those guys are gone now. Uh, I mean, I'll just ask you the same question, man. What will you remember about Bray Wyatt? Again, he's just, I think he was just ahead of the curve, man. Uh, he was thinking on another level. You guys know I love Raven. I love Raven. I love Braid for the same reasons I love Raven. I think he was just ahead. He was he. I think I, we know Raven is literally a genius, like I, IQ wise. I wonder if Bray was or not. I don't know, but Bray was definitely gifted in the way he saw things, the way he built stories, the way he put Easter eggs into little things. He'd say something in 2014 that might pay off in 2018. The whole White Rabbit comeback thing last year, <laughs> I was. His entrance at Extreme Rules, I'll never forget. We had that was one of the first shows I had a bunch of buddies over watching since they kind of got into it up here in Tennessee, and uh, they it was just I mean everybody was just like whoa like this is crazy. So just he was just on another level, man. He just he didn't have to do it in the ring. He could do it outside, and just he he just took it to another level, man. I just I can't speak enough about him in that way. Absolutely, you know. Um, I, I, I don't mean this in, dis- in a disparaging way at all. Like, not, not everything Bray did hit 100%. Right. But I tell you what, he never uh, went down looking. You know, he always came out swinging. And he was always yeah. trying something new, trying something different. And uh, it didn't always make sense. It didn't always click. But at least he was there trying something different and doing something different, trying to evolve, trying to be unique, trying to make a moment. And a lot of times it did hit. I mean, so many awesome things, you know, uh, it wasn't always about, this is something we've always said. It wasn't always about the moves in the ring. It was about the story being told. And it was about him being able to cock his head back and and, and Mm -hmm. do all those things and, and make all those crazy moments. So, uh, he certainly had some awesome matches in ring. The Wyatt family and the shield was always oh. incredible. Some great stuff like that. But I, I don't think people will really remember Bray Wyatt for his in ring work. And that's not a diss. At it's all. not a knock. No, no. it's not all. Cause that's not what wrestling is all about. People will remember his character and, and what he made people feel. Uh, you know, our, our buddy Caleb texted us and you know, he's not a hardcore fan anymore, but he, he was somebody who Bray Wyatt, you know, spoke to him and who, yeah. who kind of like drag him back into watching some wrestling. And I know a lot of people, I've read a lot of stuff online, uh, felt similarly. People had that connection to Bray and he, he could jump off the screen. Like you said, like a Raven or somebody like that. Yeah, he did. He was just psychological and it was different. And it's again, so many comparisons to Taker, obviously he was. And then we, we saw a passing of the torch back at raw 30 this year, you know, with them, and L.A. Knight was in the ring, I think, I'm not mistaken. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, but that, you know, the whole thing with him and Taker in the ring, and it was just, 
unfortunately right after that he he got to go for his medical stuff and never got to come back but um what could have been man you know so what could have been what could have been absolutely uh but we are thankful for, <laughs> the yes for what he did give us he helped that go to another level with the sure. Daniel Bryan stuff i yeah. mean that it was they were trying to squash it but that whole storyline with Daniel Bryan helped put that over the moon you know like it's just uh it's great man He's I mean, great. He'll be missed so bad. Even when he went down the card a little bit, was doing stuff with Matt Hardy and, and Broken Matt and, and all that. It. So it was fun. Absolutely. Yeah. It sure was. They had the, uh, what was the uh, the cinematic match him and Matt Hardy had? Deletion or yeah. something like that. Yeah. They made know, a one, one of those things. Yeah. It was yeah. great. Vince didn't get it. I don't care. I loved it. I tell you what, man. One of my one of my favorite Bray matches is him and Cena from WrestleMania COVID. Like, people always talk about and AJ won and yeah that is the best cinematic match but 1B or whatever if 1A is taken like I think Cena and, and Bray at that mania was fantastic it, it was. was genius to me that, I loved every second of it I mean that in the Boneyard match like put yeah. saved that Wrestlemania you know nobody remembers the stuff in the Performance Center that night they remember the Boneyard match and the Firefly Funhouse match and uh, it really saved it and Bray Wyatt I, I was texting you man again whether you liked it or not he was the MVP of the Thunderdome COVID era of WWE I mean he put that company on his back and was able to just you know um, he he dominated the show you know he drug in Alexa Bliss and, and was you know instrumental in her character and her becoming who she is I I mean, he was a pivotal part of keeping that company going during that time. So kudos to him for that. Um, uh, just so many things. Like, uh, like I said, it's incredible what he put into his career. Uh, we could we could talk about it for, for hours, what he was able to do in, in such a short amount of time. Um, so it's a shame we didn't get more. But, I mean, what an incredible legacy he was able to live in that time. And I'm sure he will deservedly go into the Hall of Fame uh, in 2024. I hope so, at least. I hope so. Yeah, honor yeah. him in that way. I don't think they'll headline with a person who's passed away, but I think he'll go in. Yeah. So uh, it's too it's too real, man, to not put him in now. You know, yeah. People want Bam Bam, man. I get it, but Bam Bam, it's years gone by. This is fresh. You know, like, like they did Eddie. I think they put Eddie in the next year, right after he passed. Yeah. Um, I think so. Anyway, and he has a yeah. whether or not I'm sure they won't headline him because he passed away, but he has a career that is worthy of being a Hall of Fame oh, yeah. headliner just in that yeah. short a time, which is, again, a testament to what he was able to do and his creative genius. Um, and for, from what we understand, like pretty much that I'd say 90% of what he put out was from the mind of mm -hmm. Wyndham Rotunda. Like you didn't hear mm -hmm. about a lot of creative people that was coming up with ideas for him. It sounded like pretty much what he did came from him, which is all the more incredible in today's yeah. uh, you know wrestling scene. Yeah. So rest in peace for all the buzzards. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, uh, we're going to keep continue trying to entertain you tonight. We, of course, need to pay our respects, but uh, we're going <laughs> to. Sorry. Ah! <laughs> be sitting in a rocking chair here. <laughs> oh, I read somebody, uh, somebody posted that um, he would. Uh, back in uh, the when he was in FCW or NXT, I guess, um, you know, they would do live events around Florida, but they didn't have like a production truck. So yeah. he had a pickup truck and he carried that rocking chair from... with him uh, to every event. Yeah, I mean, that was his thing, uh, which is crazy. Um, that's, that's really I just thought it was a fun story. That's awesome. But, uh, 
we do have some Undertaker sightings for the month of August that we're going to get in here tonight before we get into our Memphis action. I don't know about some of these Undertaker sightings. It's almost like Ripley's, believe it or not. Undertaker YouTube channel. All right, folks, I want to encourage everybody to go subscribe to Talking Taker on YouTube, youtube.com slash Talking Taker, because I want you all to check out the Summer Slam vlog, Summer Slam weekend vlog. Um, we talked about it for a few months leading up to here, but I got to join Watch Along Tommy, and then, of course, Pokey's little dog himself, Randy Turco. You and I, Travis, we have said his name for six years now on the podcast, <laughs> and I find he is a real person. He has arms. He has legs. He's not just a, a floating head. He is a real person. He is just like he's seen online, and I, I mean that in the best way. Yeah. He did not disappoint. Uh, we had an incredible time. Wish you could have been there, and maybe next year or, or the next trip, whenever it is. Hopefully, we'll do this again. Hopefully, we'll get you along with it. Uh, I'm sure your dad had a wonderful birthday party. He did. Yep. He did. It was a wonderful surprise. He got a... Oh, it was a surprise. Uh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, it was all surprise. He okay. knew we were coming to town and stuff. He didn't know all the extent of everything, who all was coming. He got a helmet signed by... You people aren't going to care, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Signed by Stetson Bennett, who was the quarterback for Georgia, the last two national championships, and signed by Buck Ballou, who was our quarterback oh. in 1980 when we won with Herschel Walker. Yeah. So, yeah. That's so pretty, cool. pretty cool for him. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. Yeah. Um, well, uh, that's certainly a, a worthy occasion to skip out on uh, the SummerSlam trip. For you only turned 71. You did. going to be around next year. That's right. <laughs> Uh, and yeah, we had a great time. I, I, you know, I don't need to spend too much time recapping the trip. Because, go to YouTube, check it out. Well, I want you to go to YouTube and check it out, folks. Seriously, take a pause if you're listening to this podcast, or if you're watching us on YouTube. Just take a pause and look. Go to your YouTube app, or go up to YouTube on your computer, and go make sure you're subscribed to Talking Taker. Because I, yeah, there's lots of YouTube channels I watch, but I'm not subscribed to. But it would really mean a lot if you would just go and hit that subscribe button to us on YouTube because um, this isn't the only thing we put on there. We put every episode of the podcast on YouTube. I've been doing some uh, unboxings on YouTube of Undertaker figures. I've got the new set of the Gobbledygooker and the Undertaker from Survivor Series 1990 nice. I'm going to be doing a review on. I've got the new Retro Undertaker and Paul Bear set that's going to be coming out. I'll do a review on. So fun stuff like that goes on YouTube. Um, I don't, even if you don't watch us on YouTube, just go ahead and subscribe. It doesn't, yeah. it doesn't matter. It doesn't affect you. It doesn't just bother play, you anyway. Fast forward to the end. And if you want to do that too. Um, hey, for those of you who don't know what unboxings are, it's kind of like OnlyFans for uh, wrestling right. action figures. Yeah, so. yeah. That's, that's all it is, man. I might show a little skin. I might, I might, I might do it uh, topless one time. You never know. <laughs> YouTube.com slash Talking Taker. Um, uh, go subscribe, go check us out. And uh, yeah, man, the SummerSlam was incredible. Uh, there's a whole bonus podcast as well. Yep. Uh, talking to the guys. Fun listen. Yeah, we talked about the trip uh, and then talk about SummerSlam, the event itself. But I uh, loved doing it. So happy to hang out with those guys. We bought some fun stuff. Uh, I, I know you enjoyed your uh, Right to Censor yes. <laughs> card set. Yes, it's in my closet right now. See it every time I open it. I had to. I had to grab yeah, it. Yeah, I appreciate it. Why? Fantastic. I don't know why they had it, except for me to for buy me? for you. Exactly. Yeah. It's probably been sitting there for 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> um, great time. Great time hanging out with those guys. Um, 
But perhaps an even bigger news than our SummerSlam trip was that Randy uh, got surprised by his wife a couple days after he got home by the gift of getting to go to an Undertaker One Dead Man show. So Randy, he is a bigger Undertaker fan than either one of us. Um, he's been a fan longer than either of us have. I mean, literally since 1990, I think he's been a fan. Um, so he's been chasing this dream of meeting the Undertaker. Um, and uh, his wife uh, got him tickets to go see Taker in Kansas City, Missouri, uh, since Taker decided to skip out on SummerSlam this year. Um, and yeah, we've always asked for people's recaps of these one dead man shows and Randy has given us one. He uh, sent me a video, uh, just kind of right after the show, a little similar to what I did when I saw the one dead man show, just with some, uh, instant thoughts and memories of it. And so we're going to play a little bit of that right here with some of Randy's highlights of that trip. Uh, and then he texted me a few other things. So I'll read that, uh, after we play this clip of Randy. So let's send it to our uh, time traveling correspondent Randy Turco here. Hey, what's up, guys? Uh, don't have a fancy Tommy on the spot or uh, Talking Taker blog, but uh, I figured I'd get a, get a video together for you guys. Just as I got, just got on a Dead Man show, and I figured if there's like two, three, four people that want to hear about how it went, it's you guys. So I figured I'd shoot a quick video. I'm in the lobby of the Airbnb because it's like an apartment building condo. So I don't want to go wake everybody up. That's, I think like my son's sleeping in like the living room area. So I can't even talk in the commons area. So I'm just out here in the lobby. I uh, just got back from walking my three blocks. Uh, all that stuff that we read about uh, online. I don't know how San Antonio and Boston worked out with those complainers, but uh, maybe it was different for them, but it was Sounded like a lot of complaining to me because everything went pretty well tonight. Um, I got in line about 5.30 because it said be there before 6. They didn't open up till 6.20. Yeah, it's not so bad. Um, you go through security uh, like you would anything else. And then once you get in the building, they don't, they didn't, I thought they were gonna take the phone from you right away. And they didn't, like you don't even go through the merch line because you're just VIP and there's nobody else in the building. And then you get in that VIP line, they break the rules down to you every three feet. And uh, it was like very army-like. I mean, you get up on deck and it's like, okay, when I motion you over, you give me your phone, have the camera open. When I motion you over, uh, get over to his right. And then I will take pictures and then he will sign your eight by 10. And I was like, oh man, now I'm nervous. Well, what, what, what side's the right? You know, like I'm freaking out because of all this pressure. Uh, but he was cool. And first thing is so funny because I made friends with people in line around me. And the first thing that we all were thinking internally as we're speaking to him, internally, we're all like, man, he's tall. And like, we all knew that he was tall. But like, when you're in person, you're like, man, he is tall. And uh, I shook his hand and I was like, hey, Taker. And he's like, hey, how's it going? And then we, we post, I said, hey, I'm getting ready. I stand next to him, we're getting ready to pose. The guy's got my phone. And I'm like, hey man, I just gotta ask you. I mean, I just, I wore this hook for two years in college because you had a hook on your belt loop in the big evil days. I said, do you mind pointing to the to the hook for the photo? And he's kind of like, you know, like Steven had said, kind of unimpressed, like, all right, yeah, no problem. Like he was just like, you know, cause Taker's very <laughs> even keeled. Uh, yeah, okay, no problem. So he's pointing to it. And then I took the opportunity. It was really cool that he signs the eight by 10 in front of you. He doesn't personalize it, but he does sign Undertaker. It wasn't something that he rattled off at noon and went through 800 of them or whatever. He signs it right in front of you and that gave me my in to say like, do you remember that hook at all? Like, was there any significance to it? Like you wore it every day for two years and nobody talks about it, you know? And he kind of like, didn't quite do the eye thing, the Undertaker eye thing, 
but he kind of, uh, I could tell he was in deep thought, and he kind of like rolled his eyes back a little bit, and kind of like looked at the ceiling. <sighs> you know, I think it was a bottle opener. And uh, I don't know if that was a cop-out answer. If it was, it was a really good on-the-fly cop-out answer. But he's like, I think I used it as a bottle opener. So that's what we're going to go with. That's straight from the horse's mouth. And I told him, take her easy and thanks. And uh, that's how the VIP ended. And really, I was talking with some guys in the merch line because you immediately get escorted out. And they give you your bag with the 8x10 already in the matted frame. And then you get like your little, I don't know what this is, a bookmark that says I was there. Pretty cool, Kansas City. And then you get your, I don't know, your stadium bag that you're allowed to have because it's clear. So they give you all that and then they get you out of there and you immediately go to the merch line and then the yonder line if you want to stick around or you could leave if you wanted to leave and like get rid of your stuff, throw it in your car and then you've had to go through security to come back in again. So I was in the merch line like trying to do all my social media and text all you guys, but uh, that all went well. And I remember I was talking to the guys in the line. I was like, dude, if this was it, and they were like, all right, go home, I would have been like, hell of a night. Like, I still had the show to go to. And so um, seats were awesome. Uh, Deanna really uh, hooked me up and Alex to an extent, helping her get that pre-sale code. I'm like going down. I'm like, I'm in row BBB. And by the way, they write it on a little posty note. Uh, before they take your phones because you got to know where to go after you don't have a phone you know so they write it on a little post-it note for you and i'm going down i'm like okay b b b so it's probably a a a a a a b b b b b b so i'm like in row six or seven or something okay that's cool and i'm going up and i'm like i'm going up and i'm going up and i'm going up and i'm going up and then i find out that it's like it starts off with a a a then BBB, and I'm like, oh, I'm in the second row for this, and uh, and then it's like seat 14, and I'm like, all right, I'm just gonna tell people to get up, and I'm gonna mosey my way over to the center, and uh, 14 ends dead center. I'm second row, dead center, in front of the Undertaker, and I'm like, I'm like directly in front of the mic stand, which they eventually took away because he's not a mic stand guy, but they they had it set up, and I'm like, oh my god, like he'll be able to see. I know the lights are blinding, kind of like our experience at. SummerSlam Ford Field, um, the lights, I'm sure he has lights on him all night, but he, he can see me. I'm in the second row. Like, this is craziness. So um, that, was, that was awesome. And all the stuff that the other cities people had complained about, um, I don't know what happened in those cities, but don't, don't buy it for a second because, uh, man, 901, a lady came out with a bottle of Jack and put it on there with two shot glasses, huge pop. Uh, they put on a fog machine, so like the, the whole table with the bottle of Jack had like Undertaker fog coming out from around it. And then by 9.05, it was like two or three gongs, lights go out, we switched to Limp Bizkit rolling, here he comes. Um, they did play Metallica, I think Metallica did a uh, Bob Seger cover on the road again, I think that's Seger, right? Um, they did play that, but then they did um, the, dong, the, the dong and then the um, King of Dong style, and then they did the Limp Bizkit rolling, and then he came out, and it was like 9.05, and I'm like, oh man, he's on time here tonight, this is great, and um, he came out, and um, you know, he said that he, obviously topical with Terry Funk and Bray Wyatt passing away this week, and he was getting a little verklempt talking about both of them, actually, and he said he wanted to do a 10-bell salute, he's like, this isn't a wrestling event, this isn't Raw, SmackDown, there's no ring, but this is my world, and that's what you do in, in my world when something like this happens, so we all stood up and took hats off, he's like, if you don't mind, you know, standing up, and we all did the 10-bell salute, which is really cool, and they played like a recording of the 10-bell salute, which is awesome, 
And then uh, he talked about Terry Funk and Bray Wyatt to start the show, which is pretty cool. Um, he, a couple of nuggets, uh, Terry Funk, he's like, Terry Funk, most people don't know, gave me the name Mean Mark. And he's like, I, I, I go out there and uh, Terry Funk's got the headset on. I, don't, I didn't know that he was ever that guy, but as I, I go out there and they're getting ready to pair me with Danny Spivey for the new skyscrapers. And he's like, what's your name? And he's like, Taker's like, I just got flew up here from like Tennessee. Like I'm, I'm Mark, you know? And they're like, well, and then he does a pretty good Terry Funk impression. You know, he's like, oh, geez, you know? And I was like, what's your wrestling name? And he's like, uh, well, I was the master of pain. Oh my God. And so Taker's kind of like says, I'm looking at my hands. It's like, I don't know what to tell this guy. And he, I, you know, I got sizable hands. I got, I got a lot of calluses on my hands at that time, you know? Uh, work in Tennessee every night and he's like you got some pretty big calluses and he said he puts the headset on he's like coming down the aisle with Danny Spive he's gonna be mean Mark Callis and that's how he got to be mean Mark Callis and it was Terry Funk that gave him that I thought that was really cool and then um, he told the story I think I've heard it before about uh, Bray Wyatt about IRS bringing his kids in to um, to meet Undertaker when they're like five and uh, Taker talked about how Wyndham came up and just kicked him right in the shin hard as he could five years old it's like my son doing that he's like I didn't know a five-year-old could bring that kind of energy but he kicked me in the shin and uh he said he took me and it took me until Wrestlemania 31 to get that receipt back and so that was, it was a huge pop when he said that and he's like yeah man Bray did that little thing where he popped up on his hands with you know uh, from his back and I sat up and I was just like it's receipt time you know <laughs> 30 years later so uh, those are pretty two, two pretty cool stories to open it up um, told a lot of stories we knew about Paul Bear and the um, cucumbers and you know they opened it up to Q&A which Ben Brown the activist the archivist rather for WWE um, he kind of like MCs the show so everybody in VIP can write on his notepad if they want to a question and then kind of like Ben can kind of go through that and then he will call your name out if he wants to use yours and then you get to ask the question yourself and uh, didn't, didn't take mine with the hook, but that's why I, I shot my shot during the VIP because I felt like that would happen because they're going to ask the questions that are going to invoke a story. You know, what was your favorite Hell in the Cell? I mean, that's, that's what they're looking for so Taker can get into that material. I'm never going to be that guy, so I didn't think they'd ask my question. I was ready if they did, but I didn't think they would do that. But one of the cool things that did come up through those stories um, was he was, you know, somebody asked about, like, Tell me your thoughts on early Undertaker. You're presented with this character. You know, what did you, um, how did, what did you think? And he was like, I'm glad I wasn't Eggman. And then he said, actually, you want to know something. You want to know who came up with, in the early days, me doing the body bag thing, which we had just talked about. I know I bought that uh, DVD-R set of Undertaker's early career, and he was crushing Brother Love's roses and throwing it on the guy. And then Paul Bearer takes over, and he's getting dirt from Paul Bearer, and he's throwing it on the guy, and then eventually it evolves into, like, putting a dude in the jobber in the body bag and carrying him to the back. And he's like, you know who came up with that? And people are yelling, you did, Vince did, Bruce Pritchard, Paul Bearer. And he's like, Ricky Steamboat. And he's like, Ricky Steamboat's the cleanest, squeakiest, cleanest guy ever. And Ricky Steamboat is like, you know what you should do? You should, you should put a guy in a body bag and carry him to the back. And like, Taker's like, that's, that's pretty sick and twisted, man, uh, you know? And Ricky was like, I don't know, man, I just thought about it last night, late at night, I was laying in bed. And he's like, man, why are you thinking about me when you're laying in bed late at night? So I, was like, I got a huge pop. So I thought that was probably a really, that was a cool story that I, I hadn't heard before and I didn't know that. Uh, so that was really cool that Ricky Steamboat came up with the body bag thing. So 
cool deal. He did Q and A, and then he you know, he had everybody kind of um, you know stand up and applaud the uh, first responders and military, which you know Taker's big on that stuff. I thought that was really cool. Um, he told Kansas City they have hot women. <laughs> he said he's taken. He's like, I'm taken. I'm an old man now, but. Uh, uh, Kansas City got some hot women. He's like, I don't know why I said that. I usually on the show after the responder thing, but there it is. And then, uh, and then he closed off, and they you know kind of put the fist in the air, and like you see, and it's about ten forty-five. So he like went nine oh five to ten forty-five, like pretty good, man. It's like watching a movie, you know. And it was really good, and I never remembered any lull. I didn't think, I didn't ever think like, man, when's this ending? And it was awesome, and. Um, Couple people tried to cat call early and take her like, man, he's like, he's used to it by now. It's been a year, so he's like, shutting them down. Anytime they'd say something, you know, he would have a perfect comeback for it. Kind of like the what chant. Uh, I know he had a pretty good shutdown of the what chant back in the day. So, you know, he shut down the cat callers pretty early. Um, and he's like, man, don't try me. He's like, I got a microphone and you don't. Don't try me. I don't do jobs unless it's Brock. And everybody's like, boom. He's like, one and four. Can you believe that? One and four against Brock. So. It was kind of a cool thing, and an uh, hour and 40 minutes, man, I was happy. I would do it again. I think I'm ruined because now I did second row center. I did VIP. I don't know how I could go to an Undertaker Dead Man show and, like, theoretically in Minneapolis and sit GA with the Cretans. Um, I don't know how I could do that. I'm ruined now, so we'll see what happens. Uh, but I would definitely go to one again. I don't, I don't care if it's some of the same stories and then some different stuff, but I would love to definitely go again and I'll think of a juicy question uh, to ask him probably about his hair or his wardrobe or something. So uh, pretty cool to get that photo with the with the hook. I'm gonna try to, my wheel's already spinning on getting this signed eight by 10, maybe in a dual double frame with a picture, the picture of us uh, and then maybe my hook in there and that little bookmark thing. Like Deanna will help me with that. She's good with the aesthetics. So great time at the Dead Man Show. Uh, Definitely worth the trip, definitely worth the money, and I would definitely do it again, although I can't do it every week because $350 is crazy town. So uh, maybe, maybe once a year, once every other year, but I'm definitely in for another one if you guys are. Take her easy. So now we are both so happy for you and excited yes. for you. You got to live the dream, and it lived up <clears throat> to you, and you got the hook answer. You, you've been know. craving that for years. Now we know. After, what, 20 years? We finally know. 21 years? A bottle opener. It all makes sense. <laughs> we'll Go buy figure. it. We'll we, were, buy we were overthinking it. Yeah, we, we were. <laughs> if it were Bray, Bray would have had some kind of crazy meaning to it. Take her like, I just bottle opener. <laughs> <laughs> Never be without one of those. Um, yeah. Uh, some other cool stuff he said on there, you know, like we said, um, uh, a great memory of Terry Funk, uh, giving him that name, Mean Mark. I mean, uh, that's awesome. Uh, again, just shows you that connection, shows you that legacy uh, of uh, of Terry Funk that he had. Um, and then he sent me a couple other things he remembered uh, about uh, the event. Um, one thing he said, he, he kind of said a similar thing when I saw him was uh, people were chanting one more match, one more match. And he was like, let me shut that down right now. Uh, <laughs> he said, uh, you guys all asked for it, but as soon as it's over, all you keyboard warriors will be uh, typing out the next day. This guy's older than Moses. He should have retired a long time yeah, ago. And that exactly. is that is the case. You know? He's not wrong. We all crave it, but then we'd all criticize it afterwards. Um, people wanted one more Indiana Jones and look what happened. That's it. <laughs> didn't Sorry. do too hot. <laughs> yeah. Got good reviews. But uh uh he said there were some really hot women in Kansas City uh back in the uh during his time. So 
I uh, don't know who he was talking about in particular about there. And uh, he said he doesn't hate video games. Uh, he's got this reputation yeah. of, of talking trash about video games, but he says he plays video games with his kids all the time. He just doesn't like when people do it at work. Uh, yeah. He thinks they should be spending time studying the business and, and watching the other performers and all that sort of stuff. So can't argue with that. Nope. Yep. So uh, awesome, man. Very cool. Thanks, Very Randy. cool. He pulled our punk card. He wore the Taker Easy t-shirt. So we got to work on that special gift uh, coming his way uh, for, for doing that. Uh, and of course that extends to anybody. There's, there's more of these one dead man shows coming up in yeah. the fall. So head over to tpublic.com and pick up any of our talking taker t-shirts. You get the classic taker easy or the PSK half a decade of destruction. Uh, even if you just want to get a sticker and put it on top of your undertaker shirt or something like that, wear anything talking taker related to meet the dead man, get your picture taken with him and we will send a special gift out your way that is the talking taker guarantee Randy turco the second man to cash in on that guarantee i love it that's right that's so yeah cool, bagley man. and turco man two of our oldest fans yeah so. very very cool uh well very. anything else undertaker sightings i don't i didn't have anything else that i mm, nope i don't think so yeah he's uh no <clears throat> no interviews or podcasts or anything that I, that I saw really regarding that no uh, shark like no turning away wild animals or anything like that so. nothing like that yeah <laughs> Probably kids back in school, so he's just keeping it low. That's at home, it. You know? Yeah, maybe so. in September we'll get some more like that. Yeah, but, uh, I mean, football season we'll get some Texas Longhorn stuff. Oh, know? there'll yeah. definitely be some football content. Maybe another yeah. college game day. Appearance. Well, yeah, they'll be coming to SEC next year. So yeah, we'll see what he Ooh. has to say about that. <laughs> he's in for a rude awakening. We'll be playing there at Texas. Georgia yeah. will. So. Anyway. Well, let's do this, man. Let's head to Memphis, Tennessee. Actually, uh, you know. We're going to head to Texas first, oh. but go ahead. Oh, okay. I'd say, you know, I've lived in Tennessee since 2009. I've lived in Nashville, Middle Tennessee. I lived in Kingsport in East Tennessee, which is near Knoxville. Never been to West Tennessee. Never been to Memphis. Not one time ever. So this is my trip. Taker gets to take me to Memphis. I don't think I'll ever go there. It is the exact opposite corner mm. of Tennessee for me. It's about eight hours to get there. So uh, <laughs> no thanks. I, that is true. I mean, Tennessee does not seem that big. It doesn't seem like it, it, it It's could a parallelogram. Have... Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just eight hours across. Yeah, I visited. Right corner, the bottom left corner. So. I visited my buddy Ian when he worked for the That's Memphis right. Grizzlies, and he took us to a house show there at the arena. I remember that. Uh, I got to see Jerry Lawler wrestle and do a pile driver, pile driver, pile driver in, uh, <laughs> in Memphis. Okay. You've uh, been talking baby to your daughter. Okay. That's it. <laughs> no, I couldn't remember the exact match, uh, but I looked it up because, uh, oddly enough, it's, uh, um, Lawler and Mark Henry versus, uh, CM Punk and Husky Harris when they were the Whoa. new Nexus. That was the yeah. tag team match. And wow. uh, Lawler did the pile driver on David Otunga, actually, after Good. the match. All the baby Go faces Lawler. came out. Yeah, it was a big beat down on the Nexus. He didn't do it on Husky Harris. No. <laughs> but, uh, man, that was just the coolest moment for me, getting to see Lawler work in Memphis and do a pile driver there. Yeah. Uh, that was awesome. And I know, I'm sure That's it was awesome. super exciting for everybody in the ring, Punk and, and Husky Harris, of course, as well. Oh, yeah. But uh, Memphis no is cool. Doubt. Great food. Um, we went to Sun Studios there, legendary recording studio. It's a cool place to visit. Yeah. You should check it out. Yeah. Saw Graceland. No doubt. I'd love uh, to go sometime. I just can't think of when I'm going to drive eight hours to get there. That's true. <laughs> that's true. I went to the it's, Mid-South Coliseum. I took a picture out in front of that as well. Awesome. Well, let's go to Texas first. Let's do it, man. Let, let, let's, let's 
take the time traveling hearse about farther back than we've ever taken it. So you really got to step on the gas to get back to November 7th, 1987, which is where we're going to pick up here. Main event Monsters Part de, uh, this Again, the first tape that we covered. What was it called, Travis? Uh, main event Monsters. B. Four. Oh, oh, B four. Yeah, <laughs> they were stars. B four. They were stars. Yeah, B four. Oh, I forgot about that part. That's I tried fine. to block that part out. Oh yeah. man, main event monsters. M O N S T O R S. We're gonna keep that, keep that uh, tradition alive and call this main event monsters part two. And so, like I said, uh, we do want to cover a couple of his other gimmicks and in earlier incarnations as well, because uh, I don't know when else we'd ever really talk about him here. But we're gonna go to right. what I. Um, believe are his two earliest televised matches ever. And we're going to kick this one off. This is the famous one here. Uh, Bruiser Brody, the legend himself, versus Texas Red in World Class Championship Wrestling, November 7th, 1987. And Texas Red managed by another youngster who would go on to have an intimate connection with him, Percy Pringle III. None other than Paul Bearer. I mean, what a small world. Oh, wrestling is a small world sometimes. It's crazy. So, yeah, this is the first uh, televised match, allegedly, so that we know of. So, um, tell us about this uh, this match we got here. I mean, can you imagine anything more Something. intimidating in your first match than having to stare down Bruce no. Brody? <laughs> no. I don't care who he you don't. are. I don't care if you're six foot 10, 200-something pounds. I don't care. Brody knew it was a work. I don't think he knew. <laughs> it wasn't to him, man. No. Divsky, <laughs> man. So uh, Texas Red, uh, very skinny, slim Mark Calloway. Um, he, he's announced as weighing in at 315 pounds and from Texas, uh, as you good. might imagine. This bout is for one fall in 15 minutes. First on my right in the red corner, weighing in at 315 pounds from the Lone Star State. Percy Pringle presents Texas Red. North Dakota. <laughs> Texas Red. And Texas Red is wearing black trunks and a black mask. Uh, he does have on red boots, however. I guess that's where the red gives him. You got to give him that. But yes, it's funny to see it. You would never quite know it, uh, really just looking at him. But I guess, you know, we can tell. You, you can tell his body a little bit. But yeah, just really basically unrecognizable. Yeah, I mean, at the time, you, he stands out because he's so tall mm. and big. Uh, to me, he looks bigger than Brody. Um, but I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe not. They say uh, Brody weighs in 300 pounds, Texas Red 315. I don't know if he's yeah. 15 pounds heavier than Brody. But yeah, I don't know. But they, do, just, like, they stand toe-to-toe. They stack up pretty mm-hmm. well, yeah. So, um, yeah, he definitely had that pass the eye test. He'll get you, you know, to look at him and pay attention, you know. So, But um, <clears throat> after that. The commentary describes him as uh, Texas Red. He's a tall guy in a mask. That's basically what he is. <laughs> Pretty much it. So, well, this so what is you what you me, did. Kid? I'm just a tall guy in a mask. This is what you did back then when you had a youngster you wanted to protect. You, they, they definitely saw some potential in Mark Calloway. They didn't want to treat him like a jobber and have him come out here. So what do you do? You put a hood on the guy. You put a mask on him. 
you get some experience, uh, but you don't, um, you know, get him over as a loser in front of the fans, which is, which is what this is. And, um, you talk about Terry Funk being a wild man out in the ring. I mean, there was nobody wilder than Bruiser Brody. You never knew what was going to happen here. Um, he locks in an arm bar to start off and then gives Texas Red that patented big boot. And, And that Texas Red is probably taking some notes for the future. I think he was writing them down in his mental mental area. <laughs> Brain, I guess. I, I just had a uh, mental lapse. <laughs> the old mental area up here, folks. <laughs> I'm telling you guys, main event monsters is wild. <laughs> get you off. Uh, oh, wow, get you off your normal self. <laughs> Let's finish that sentence. <laughs> oh, uh, I'm done. You're already done. <laughs> First match in. I'm off the rails. (laughs) Well, they go off the rails too. They go outside the ring early on. Brody is tossing him on the announce table and then literally breaks a steel folding chair over Texas Red's back. Breaks the chair off of its legs. And uh, where's the referee? Was this a hardcore match? Raven's rules? What's going on? The Brody's rules? I have no idea, but I was shocked because he hit him, and then it's like, uh, match isn't over. I thought they're going to save, you know, Texas Red safe base by getting, you know, not not losing, get DQ, but nope. Oh no, 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 no. Uh, Brody's going to toss Texas Red back in the ring and do the old Andre the Giant bit, lock Texas Red's arms in the ropes, and hits yeah. a pair of running boots right to the head of right Texas to Red, uh, and then a third one to finish him off. Um, not not a single second of offense for Texas Red here, but uh, and Percy Pringle goes in there to check on Texas Red. Um, it's not much to watch, but as a historical document, it's yeah, certainly important for us to talk about. And again, I mean, who would have ever guessed watching this back in 1987 that Percy Pringle and Texas Red would go right. on to become one of the most iconic duos in professional wrestling history? I mean, wrestling's just so funny that way. It's crazy, man. It's cool to see, though. I just wrote my notes. Like, you can tell Taker's very green. And uh, Brody, as soon as the match is over, Brody just dips out and leaves. It's just a very different, like, presentation. Now there's so much. You know, Vince has got the spectacle of it. You know, it's just very different the way it was back then. But anyway, that's our first match here on Main Event Monsters Part 2. Well, we're going to look at another Texas Red match and somebody who does not quite bring that same charisma, in my opinion. Uh, but a guy I've read about for years and never really seen perform uh, Texas Red's going to go up against the spoiler here uh, also in world class now I may have my dates wrong I don't know that I this one said it was July 7th 1987 I've always heard that that Bruzy Brody match uh, was the first yeah. one Texas Red had um, who knows but this is kind of around sometime around the same time um, Travis were you familiar with the spoiler I've heard his name like in the you know the magazines and stuff like that, and I've heard on podcasts people talk about the spoiler, but I don't think I ever knew who he who he was. You know, no. I never really looked into it, but he was the legendary, the legendary spoiler. What did he spoil? Uh, spoiler number like, one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he probably went around telling people who shot Jr. The ending of movies. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, he says red rum. <laughs> it's like, it isn't gay. He finishes the, the spoiler alert. That should be his taunt. Spoiler yeah. alert. Spoiler alert. It's just like the right to censor music. Yeah. He just comes out. He comes out like after watching Endgame, he's like, Tony Stark dead. Oh, buddy. Sixth sense. He's like, the dude's dead the whole time. Our, our buddy Chuck would love this guy. 
It's a big spoiler. Yeah, there. big oh, spoiler goodness. alert. Yeah, <laughs> Chuck, congrats! You just had a new baby. Yeah, we love you, Chuck. Uh, he's not listening. But these dudes, um, <laughs> these dudes are wearing the same mask, man. <laughs> they look like a new <laughs> tag team partner. <laughs> I know. I'm from Sheesh. Like, they wore the same exact mask. It's yeah, wild. They went to Mass R Us, and there was limited yeah. supply there. Um, yeah. Well, Texas Red has upgraded. He's from the Lone Star State now, Ooh. and uh, the spoiler is from Singapore. So a lot of some international action here. Um, we've Dang. got special guest commentator, the Texas Tornado himself, Kerry Von Erich. Your boy. I love me some Kerry Von Erich. Absolutely. Yeah, and he says he says he thinks Texas Red could be a world champion one day. So uh, how about that? Wasn't that cool? Well, and they're both very big men. You know, Texas Red is a lot younger. He doesn't have the experience of the spoiler does, but uh, not many wrestlers in wrestling today has experience or the technique the spoiler does have. Texas Red is a big, awesome individual. My goodness, look at that. I mean, he's, he's what? I guess every bit of 280 pounds. He's awesome. But he's young, though, Mark. You know, he, he doesn't have the experience yet, but uh, when he gets it, he's going to be world championship material. He said that, and he was spot on, man. He was, man. He would, who, who would have ever really thought that? But uh, what if you crawl, Ole Anderson? <laughs> <laughs> These two guys kind of lumber around and just trade shots with each other before Spoiler knocks Texas right out of the yeah. ring, and Spoiler heads up on the top rope. Uh, and I'm thinking, oh, that's where we're going to see that exciting action from the Spoiler. And then he just kind of stares at Texas Red and then hops down off the top rope <laughs> and. Uh, they're kind of competing in this big rodeo arena and it, it does look big. And the announcers say, you know, this arena could hold 10,000 people and we've got about 6,500 to 7,000 in here tonight. And Travis, I tell you, there, there could not be more than 200 people. This crowd. I was thinking the same thing. It'd be like AW all in okay, Wembley that had like 88 people in it. Yeah. Don't, if, you, like. if, if you're not packed, don't show all that. Don't say that, you know? So, but yeah, there's probably 200, 250 people there watching the spoiler alert and <laughs> Texas red. And, uh, man, the announcers even get confused and say something about like, well, they both got the same mask on and they're just kind of, they're trying to give them something, <laughs> you know, trying. trying to find something to give these guys to talk about how the spoiler is, um, he's like, they talk about how he's one of the finest wrestlers. But then later on, they're like, I don't really know what he's doing here. Like, it's like, I, it's just, it's it's not polished commentary. Yeah, they, they put him over. It's so hot there. Oh yeah, that that's the next thing. They're looking so much for a talk about. The announcers start talking about, boy, has anybody checked the thermostat in this arena? Um, I, I think they say, oh, the thermostat's great in here. Actually, you wouldn't you wouldn't believe it, but it's actually really nice in here. The thermostat's working great. So that's how exciting this match is. That we're talking about the thermostat here. You know, Carrie, one thing I'm impressed with is the fact that, you know, it's hot summer in Texas and it's about 90 degrees outside, but the way this building is structured with the fans and the natural cool breeze, it's not hot in here. Oh, no, it's it's got fans. It's uh, it's, it's more comfortable than any building you'd be in because it's uh, it's just a great building. It's set up perfect. A Texas Red misses a drop kick. Spoiler goes up top and hits a diving clothesline, which uh, we're going to see a little bit from Mead Mark as well. And then just this... This is something we're going to see a lot in some of these other matches. He hits a big move like that and then just goes over and hits this pitiful little elbow drop and, and pins him. A couple other guys on this uh, yeah. uh, compilation are going to do the same thing. So I don't know why yeah. he didn't just pin him off the clothesline. But uh, big win for legendary spoiler number one. There you go. Good job. 
So Texas Red is 0 for 2 at this point. Texas Red is 0 for 2, and that's why he's going to need to go refresh himself. Um, yeah, he, he goes and gets in a little bit of trouble in the Atlanta penitentiary. Uh, he might <laughs> Do you have, remember how he got there? He might have killed three or four guys, or became children, five guys. <laughs> they could have been children. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, either Dutch Mantel or Ricky Morton, depending on the story, Broke him out of prison or recruited him out of prison to become bonded him the master of pain. Um, That's right. So uh, we're going to kind of just jump all around. Uh, it's, it's hard to really keep up with the whole storyline and all the factions and everything. But for our first uh, trip to Memphis, uh, Master Payne's going to be tag teaming with old Dirty Dutch, uh, Zeb Coulter, Uncle Zebakaya, Dutch Mantel. Uh, who are they going to be facing off against, Travis? <laughs> Takes it off against Jungle Jim. <laughs> Jungle Jim. You can't write this stuff, man. And Brian Lee. Whoa. <laughs> Jungle Jim. <laughs> I cannot believe that. I would have made that up in seventh grade. <laughs> Third grade. <laughs> Uh, but Brian Lee, I mean, that's the underfaker, you know? So it is. Very cool. Again, unrecognizable. <coughs> He's like clean-cut yeah. baby face, bleach blonde hair. Um, very hard to tell, but it is actually the same guy here. Um, so I, I didn't realize they had that connection uh, even uh, back at that time as well. Yeah, and apparently he's a former uh, CWA heavyweight champion, they say, on commentary. So, whatever, man. No, just another uh, big son of a gun, big strong guy, a guy you could tell was going to have a feature in this business for sure. <laughs> oh, Jungle Jim. Well, he's actually, he, he is a Jungle Jim McPherson, as we learn later in <laughs> commentary. It is a... Uh, it's it's a questionable gimmick, man. Is I thought I thought it was gonna be sort of like a Kamala type character because he's or like a Superfly Snooker or something. He's gonna got that leopard print, but the commentary <laughs> diss him, man. They're like uh, Jungle Jim McPherson, uh, you know, from Salem, New Jersey. Uh, quite the jungle out there, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it's like Dave Brown on commentary. Jungle. Yeah, <laughs> Jungle Jim out of Salem, New Jersey. Yeah. Jungle Lair, it says. He says. Concrete Jungle, Salem, New Jersey, right? He's not I can't having it. this match enough, though. But yeah, Master Payne uses a what they call the point of the finger jab. Mm. Mm. Oh, just got it going at you. The whole poker. So, I will tell you what, man. Jungle Jim does bump well. He's a good bumper sure. in Peter. So, um, but he <laughs> yeah. tries to come back. Master Payne doesn't sell anything, and then somehow Dutch comes in and chokes Jungle Jim with a whip, which... Where's the ref? You can't do that. <laughs> uh, tags in, hits what I would call a one-arm black hole slam, maybe? Yeah, yeah, sort of the a sidewalk slam. Count, or, what was that? Boss what man was, uh, slam. Boss man slam, yeah. yeah. Like that. Hits yeah. that, and uh, that's it, man. Yeah, they kind of rush through this. The, the commentary team is talking about how TV time is about to run out. Uh, yeah, so, exactly. So they get the pin in, and, and and nothing that we cover here. No match is like more than three minutes. Uh, besides I think the, the Japanese last match one, we talked yeah. about, yeah, it's the only one. So these are squash matches, folk. Old school squash matches, and yeah, poor Jungle Jim doesn't get a chance to shine. He eats that sidewalk slam from the Master of Pain here. Uh, but Dutch and Dutch and Master Pain are a good team, so 
<clears throat> yeah, Dutch is the veteran, definitely teaching him the ropes here, and um, it's it's fun to watch them watch. We we so much of uh, what I think I definitely grew up on Dutch Mantel was him as a manager, so it's it's definitely interesting right. to see him work here. And they're they're going to continue this tag team domination here, uh, going up. Uh, that match was from March fifth, nineteen eighty nine. Uh, and this was going to be from March 11th, 1989. Also, CWA in Memphis. Dutch Mantel and Master Payne going to be teaming up against Alan Reynolds and Chris Frazier. And we got another special guest on commentary, Travis. Oh, my boy. Ronnie E. Gossett the, the fourth is on commentary. <laughs> the legend. The legend. This guy is a gem. He is he's a jungle gem. Not, yeah, not. <laughs> he is, he's a G-E-M. He is the best, man. I want more of this guy in my life. Well, apparently it's it's awfully warm in this gym that they're working in tonight because that's what we hear on commentary at first. Again, <laughs> our second match in this compilation where the announcers are talking about the air conditioning Basically. in the arena. Uh, or lack thereof. Yeah. Now, Ronnie, if you've never seen him, Google Ronnie Pigasa. He's about a 400-pound man. Yeah. Uh, it, just a giant human being. Just a classic old-school heel uh, wrestling manager, announcer. Just so... 80s so memphis he is like percy pringle on steroids jim Cornette on steroids uh, i can't it's shocking to me that he never got a run in wcw or something i know not that crazy that he didn't get a run in wwf <laughs> i don't think vince would like ronnie Pigasset, but how did he never end up in wcw i have no idea we had to research that and see what happened <laughs> Maybe he and Dusty didn't get along or something. Maybe. Well, yeah, he couldn't <clears> sit out player. here on the announce table and be uncomfortable. So he keeps complaining to Dave Brown uh, on commentary. And Dave Brown's like, it's the dead of winter. What are you talking about? <laughs> it's awfully hot in here. Do you not have an air conditioner in this building? I can't sit out here and be uncomfortable. Well, we need air conditioning. It's the dead of winter. It's just... That's a snow. Try to be a weatherman with me. I just need an air conditioner. Which is funny because Dave Brown was a weatherman. Like he was the uh, local yeah, TV yeah. weatherman yeah. who got roped into doing wrestling commentary on the weekends. So right. uh, I just love, <clears throat> we loved Ronnie Pigasso on the first one and he's got some yeah. classic stuff on this one as well. And, yeah, and like I said, this basically a squash match. We got you know big boot, body slam, punches, lots of punches. You know, tag in Dutch, tag back in Master Payne, run and dive and clothesline. Which will you know, that's that's becoming an early staple of his matches. Yes. The run and dive and clothesline that will become a signature of Taker. But he's adopted it way back in the day. And then um, Ronnie B. Gossett says that uh, Alan Reynolds looks like somebody that might work at Hardy. <laughs> <laughs> Dissing on the fast food chain. He is not wrong either. Dutch Mantel makes the tag. This master of pain is 6'9", 325 pounds worth. He looks totally awesome. That's Alan Reynolds looks like a guy that works down here at Hardy's. Is that where you got him, Hardy's? Alan Reynolds, fine young wrestler who's come a long way here. No, he's correct. <laughs> Oh, that was a highlight for me. And Dave Brown, you know, he's trying not to laugh. He tries to cover for uh, Alan Frederick. He's like, well, he's come a long way, hadn't he? <laughs> the poor guy. Looks <laughs> like he works at Hardee's. <laughs> I know. I think my favorite part of the actual match is when Master Payne hits like a, he's a gut-rich power bomb, then an elbow, and goes for the cover, but 
classic heel fashion, picks him up before the three because right. you don't want to, you know, you want to inflict more damage. You know you're going to win. So I love that. You know, he did that here. It's very something you didn't see him do a lot as heel taker. You know, well, early taker, maybe biker taker, but early taker, he didn't do that a lot. So really cool. And it, it goes to this psychology of Dutch Mantel's his, his mentor. He's the veteran, and he's going to give him the glory here. So he goes and tags out to Dutch, who does, like I said, like the spoiler did earlier. He just comes in and hits this lazy elbow on uh, one of the uh, on a Fraser Crane over here and gets the glory yeah. of the pinfall. And Ronnie P. Gossett's fired up on commentary. He's oh, like, yeah. Ah, finally, we're seeing some decent wrestling out here, folks. Um, he's just a wild card on commentary. It's great. He's great. Well, uh, Chris Fraser's going to go for revenge the very next week. Uh, Memphis, uh, 318-89. He's going to get the big guns out here. He is going to the well to recruit Freezer William Thompson. (laughs) (laughs) He's pulling him out here. And Master of Pain, you know, he's had to put Dutch aside. He's got a new partner as well. He does. His partner is Action Jackson. <laughs> what happened in the last week? I don't know, but we are downgrading to Action Jackson. Well, they say Dutch Mantel lost his world title uh, in, yep. over the past week, so he's sulking at home, which is why um, uh, MOP is saddled with uh, Saddlebags Jackson over here. Lost to Jeff Jarrett, right? <clears throat> I think so. They said. Yep. Yeah. And I guess uh, Alan Reynolds had to work a double at Hardy's. So that's why yeah. <laughs> Chris Frazier <laughs> went in the freezer there. Although yeah. uh, Hardy's is always fresh, never frozen. So uh, it's true. Uh, freezer Thompson it's must true. not have been a Hardy's guy. That's right. That's right. Oh, man. Well, you know, these guys go right at it to these jobbers, you know, and uh, Action Jackson and Master Payne just immediately dive in and start attacking them and, I don't even think Master Payne takes off his denim jacket the whole time. Mm. He just leaves it on. He's not even worthy. They're not worthy of taking his clothes off for, you know? No, they, they go for a double team here where Jackson tries to slingshot Frazier up <laughs> while Master Payne comes diving in with an elbow. And, boy, it looked pitiful, man. Rough. Action Jackson couldn't get enough action to get uh, Frazier <laughs> up, barely get his shoulders up off the ground. He was trying to there. But uh, Master Payne comes in and has the elbow. Just a very green action here throughout all of these matches, to be honest. Yeah, you're right. And then Master Payne with another clothesline. Jackson hits a reverse suplex and then just sits. <laughs> <laughs> Sits on, I hope you guys are paying attention. Sits on Frazier? <laughs> Sits on his yeah. face, yeah. Minute 108, match is over. I mean, poor well, Freezer never got in, the, got in the ring. And then Gossett has the line of the night. He goes, <laughs> Frazier didn't miss any meals. He's out of shape. <laughs> who's, who's, who's talking? Exactly. Yeah. Roddy's 400 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> He's, he said, also said, that's great scientific wrestling right there. That's right. <laughs> After about 10 punches to each other. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Uh, but it's supposed to be. That's what a heel is supposed to be, man. He's supposed to be ridiculous over the top. Yeah. Um, you, you can see the influence in so many guys through Ronnie P. Gossett. Um, then we get to see Master Payne. He has graduated. I didn't get a date for this match, but um, he has gone on to become the CWA champion, which we talked yeah. about on our last special. He defeated Jerry Lawler, won his first uh, world title of sorts. Which, again, was a testament to he might have been green, but he had a, a lot of charisma. He had a lot of 
great look, had a lot of potential in him, and they were already pushing him as the top guy there, giving him the belt as the top heel in the territory here. And uh, he's going to defend that title, boy, uh, against quite the contender here. Well, this contender is actually a future version of The Undertaker from 1997. <laughs> the White Knight. The White Knight. Or White, White, White Savior. Is oh, White. Um, no, no. Uh, Ahmed, or no, it's what... Um, What's his name calls him? Who Farouk. Is that? Uh, Farouk, yeah. So here's the White Knight, you know. Not the Dark Knight, not Batman, but the White Knight. Um, yeah, it doesn't look like Mordecai or anything, but it's it's the White Knight. So, But now Master Payne is managed officially by Ronnie P. Gossett. So that's perfect. Yep. The alignments keep switching around and changing around here quite a bit. Um, Dave Brown says the uh, Master Payne must be wearing a size 20 boot here. Uh. Yeah, he towers he's, like, he's got to be wearing a 14, an 18, a 20. I'm like, 20? <laughs> That's a big gap right in there. Uh, who knows? Food. Maybe he is. Um, again, this is nothing here. Body slam, punch, gut wrench, power bomb, big boot, tosses him to the outside, and Ronnie P. Gossett hits a couple of soup bones on the White Knight before rolling him into the ring. Yeah, throws him back in. T- uh, take Well, MOP hits a delayed vertical suplex, which he does a couple times. Yeah, it's kind of cool running- looking. Yeah, running, diving, clothesline, hits a Hogan leg drop to finish it off. So, That's right. Again, winning with a leg drop. That's what you did back then. Elbow yep. drop or leg drop. <laughs> you yep. hit the pin. Uh, uh, then uh, Dave Brown's going to go talk to Ronnie P and the Master of Pain. And um, Ronnie, I, I guess there's been some dissension in the ranks between the two of them because he talks about he, he doesn't want to hear that blowhard Jerry Lawler trying to cause dissension between the two of them. And um, he, he, he wants to keep things tight between the two of them. Yeah, and he says that, that him and uh, Master of Pain are tighter than white on rice. That's right. And uh, he is Master of Pain's man, he says. And Lord Humongous apparently is coming up soon. He's mm. going to get some highlights. So, And uh, he says he's going to beat, uh, just trying to beat him with some sackology. Some sackology. Sackology. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm going to tell you, and I'm going to look you straight in the eye. And I don't lie to you. You look in these eyes. You are my champion. We are tighter than white on rice. Where you go, I'll go. Lawler is causing trouble. He can't win the belt any other way, so he's trying to play psychology. But he, he's out of it. I'm your man. I'm behind you all the way, way behind you. That's right. That's that like that, a crystal? Oh, yeah, get the psychology deal. <laughs> psychology fool. Uh, that, that's right in there in your in your uh, mental parts. Exactly. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, then we're gonna look at another segment here. This is a sort of a promo, not quite a match here. I'd love to see the match that this leads to. I couldn't quite find it here, but a big confrontation here between some legends uh, on May Fourteenth, nineteen ninety nine. We're gonna cut ahead to old Double J himself, yeah. AEW superstar Jeff Jarrett. He is holding Ronnie P. Gossett by the tie. And, uh, boy, as Jeff Jarrett is talking, man, I just wrote, he sounds exactly the same. He's cutting yeah. the same promo, talking the exact same way. He hadn't changed a yep. bit. And I mean that as a compliment. Yeah. Never change, man. If it works, don't change. Yeah, yeah. he sounds exactly like Double J on Dynamite nowadays. It's crazy. It's incredible. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Master of Pain and another one of our favorites, P.Y. Oh. Chuhai, Phil Hickerson. 
I'll be honest, man. I saw this guy come out. I was like, who is this guy? And then it took me a second. I was like, oh, that's my boy, P.Y. 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 Double J says, well, there's the two fat boys. Somebody would say on Dynamite nowadays. So it's great, man. Basically, he gets into it with Gossett and says if he beats these two guys, Master Payne and P.Y. Chua, he wants a match with Gossett. This is a very Jim Cornette type thing, you know, very Memphis type thing. Um, and Ronnie he, is so up, confident yeah. here. He said, oh, yeah. I'll beat you anytime, Double J. I want you to get your senile old father out here. I'll beat him up too. I'll eat you alive. And uh, Master Payne has clearly joined a punk rock band uh, in the past few weeks. He's got spiked wristbands, choker necklace on. He's looking real cool. Trying to find him. He's in middle school, man. He's just trying to find himself. That's <laughs> right. He's got a different outfit every time. <laughs> yeah. He's going to come out like Harlem Heat soon, too. Yeah. That's right. He's just in middle school, baby. <laughs> He's just trying to find himself. So, yeah, Gossett says, you look like Alice in Wonderland. You ain't going nowhere but down. So I'm like, ew. <laughs> what, what does that so, mean? Uh, any partner, any partner I get after we beat your two goon squads here. Then I get a match with you. Is that right? That's right. Listen to that. Well, Who's in your front of the Who's in front of the Who's in your front of the going to be your partner there. Outside, you look like Alice in Wonderland. You're going nowhere but down. But it causes Jeff Jarrett to smack him across the face, so it meant something. So. Um, oh, anyway, yeah. and P.Y. Chuhai didn't like that one bit. Uh, and they go after Jeff Jarrett. But here's Carrie Von Eric to save the day. The Texas tornado has traveled to Tennessee. And uh, man, the 40 or so people here in this TV studio, they sounded like a thousand people cheering when Carrie Von Eric showed yeah. up, didn't they? Oh, yeah. They loved it. It was, it was awesome. Great. Yeah. <laughs> it was great. Uh, well, sadly, we didn't, we couldn't find the footage to that match, so uh, we got to fast forward to June twenty fourth, nineteen eighty nine. Master Payne and Dutch Mantel going up against my new favorite tag team of uh, Raper and Naper. Sheesh! That's what I wrote. Like Jack Abel says, sheesh! Sheesh! Jeez, dude. Ken Raper, Raper and Rodney Naper. I mean, nobody, <laughs> nobody behind the scenes had the mental thing <laughs> to say, wow, we should change this. So, I mean, we talked about Ken Raper in our last video. I we think, did. So. Dude, he wrestled into yeah. the, he's on like WWF Superstars in like 1995 yeah. as Ken Raper. Nobody thought Golly. maybe that doesn't sound great as a wrestling name. No, but this is uh, this is where Master Payne comes out with his Harlem Heat outfit. Oh, man, he's got the red and yellow, looking like you know I'm loving it. McDonald's, he's ready to go. But uh, he and he and Dutch Mantel have Ronnie P with him tonight. So who's going to hop on commentary? So uh, in fact, Gossett says his cardiologist says he can't get in the <laughs> ring because he's in no condition to do so. So I would agree. <laughs> With his cardiologist. Yeah, he would certainly not have uh, passed WWE physical, I don't think. Uh, no. Apparently last week he uh, he called out some retired wrestlers and uh, out came Plowboy Frazier. Seven foot tall, 400 pounds. Golly. I had to look that guy up. Apparently he was Uncle Elmer in the WWE. So he was a, a real guy. But yeah. Is he related uh, to the other Frazier? 
Maybe he was. Maybe he was his dad. Um, Well, yeah, unfortunately, Ronnie P's heart is the size of a basketball and he can't wrestle. Wow. Um, Ronnie P. Gossett literally says wrestle. He does not. He never says wrestle. He only says wrestle. This has got to be the most insensitive, uncaring bunch of morons I've ever seen in my life. Let me explain something to you. Last week, I came out here and I challenged all the retired wrestlers. And what do they do? They run in Boxcar Willie, 700 and seven foot tall, 480 pounds, that big fat slob, Plowboy Frazier. Well, I didn't back down and I didn't run from him. I went straight to my doctor that afternoon and I told him, I need an EKG immediately. The doctor tells me after the EKG, Ronnie Gossett, you should in no way get in that ring because your heart's the size of a basketball. I take my note, let me tell you, I take my note down the ringside at the matches and I show my note that I am in no way fit to wrestle. In no shape to get in that ring. Do I get any compassion from the fans? No. They make me get into the ring in my condition. His his <laughs> lips don't move that direction. He has he says wrestle. No. But yeah, he got no compassion, didn't get cleared uh, to perform. Um had a massive Lots of heart attack. Here. Yeah, there's some there's some good tag team action going on. I don't care. I'm just listening to Ronnie P. Gossett. Tell his stories. Uh, (laughs) um, uh, And and actually, uh, uh, Naper gets a roll-up on Dutch Mantel by reversing a slam, but it only gets two. So it's actually uh, one of the more competitive matchups that we've seen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, it is. We got a big boot from Master Payne. Gorilla Press Slam, which is nice to see. uh, You see see his moveset growing. Yeah, you see it growing. Then we get a picture-in-picture of Master Payne saying that he's here for Ronnie P. Gossett. You know, there's a serious problem going on around here in the Mid-South area. And that problem is that people think they got to put their hands on my manager, my number one man, Ronnie P. Gossett. Well, let me tell you something, Ronnie. Man, the Master of Payne is here. And he's going to take care of anybody that thinks they need to put their hands on you. All right? So don't worry anymore, Ronnie, because there's going to be some hard, hard, Dude's being paid now. I know your heart's bad. And brother, let me tell you, anybody that puts their hands on you is going to have to crawl in there with me. And you know where that leads. That leads to a place where they don't want to go. So, whatever that means. <laughs> we talked about this last time. Mark Calloway's got some uh, Ricky Bobby level yeah. promos here. <laughs> Doesn't know what to do with his hands. Yeah. Doesn't quite know what to say. He's in front of this MS Paint Master of Pain, yep. Master of Paint logo, but uh, in front of him here, it looks pitiful. But yeah, he just doesn't know what to do. His sentences don't quite line up. Uh, there's something to be said for scripted promos sometimes. Yeah, yeah, especially when you're green as this. But <laughs> green is gross. Um, yeah. I don't even think I wrote down the end of the match. Well, <laughs> Master Payne hits that big power slam. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then tags in Dutch, who hits an elbow drop, gets the pin on Naper. Uh, Raper couldn't slide in there and do, do any damage <laughs> this night. Good. That's yeah, probably for the best. I should go to the Atlanta Penitentiary. <laughs> that guy should. Trade places. Yeah. Oh, well, 
Uh, that brings us next. <laughs> yes, Travis. This is what inspired this episode. Uh, yes. Why don't you tell us? Yeah, you know, you stumbled across this video, and and when you sent it to me, where was like, well, we got to do, we got to do more. <laughs> it's just a six round boxing match in CWA Memphis. A six round boxing match oh, okay. between Ronnie P. Gossett mm-hmm. and Jerry Lawler. So he couldn't so. be cleared for a wrestling match, but he got cleared <laughs> by the boxing commission. For yeah. six you rounds, don't, you don't weigh in, you don't wrestle. So uh, he got he got to go boxing instead. So I don't know how, but Ronnie's out there. He's got his master pain, who's his trainer. Uh, he's <laughs> got incredible. an everlast sweats, headgear on. He's dancing and strutting like a oh, good heel should. He's, he's just so doing happy, bobbing and weaving. Yeah, having so much fun. But the referee, or I'm sorry, Master Pain's making sure the gloves are laced all right and everything. It's just great. And then something that just kind of blew me away was Lawler coming out and there's no entrance music or anything. But mm. I mean, they didn't have that, but it's just like, well, it was just weird. You know, it you just, it's so much, a, such a different time. But Lawler only comes out with one glove on and he has to put the other one on in the ring. So he yeah. wasn't even ready. That's because he's got to take his cape off and everything. Yeah. So he's still got to do his entrance there and then he can put his other glove on. And uh, we got Dave Brown on commentaries with some woman. I couldn't figure out her name. But she's like, I don't think she's ever watched wrestling before. I don't know no. why she's there. She's like, what is the point of this boxing match? Yeah. And uh, Dave explains, well, Ronnie thinks he might have an advantage over Jerry Lawler doing boxing rather than wrestling. And then Dave this says... the original brawl for all. Oh, this is where it all came from. Dave says Ronnie claims to be out of Manhattan, New York. And uh, he's like, well, I sincerely doubt that. And he just is... He has no time for Ronnie P. Gossett. I love it. No. Yeah, and the bell rings for the first round, and Ronnie's just strutting, you know, and King's just kind of laughing at him. And uh, another picture-in-picture picture with Master of Pain again. And, uh, I mean, they just go to these in the middle of these matches, these important matches. And he says, like, I've never been so humiliated to have tar and feathers put over my body, which we saw in our previous episode of Monstors. Yeah, of that. Yeah, he's like, I'm not never going to happen to me again. It's a once-in-a-lifetime deal. Except for you, Lawler. The tides are turned, brother. Now the tides are turned, brother. Now you're the one that's going to have to be humiliated in front of all your fans, all your lovely fans that you so, you hold so dear to you. Because I'm going to see to it. He's trying to get the catchphrase, you know, yeah. rather than pain. It's all right. Didn't quite get over there. Uh, well, Ronnie P is feeling the wrath of Lawler. Lawler is just yeah. swinging at him, knocks him down with one punch. Ronnie, <laughs> Ronnie retreats back to the corner man, Master of Pain. Uh, we know he's the greatest pure striker in the game. He yeah. would go on to be that here. He's trying to give Gossett those tips. Um, and, and, uh, Ronnie actually survives the round. Um, he, he's getting he saved by the bell. Even though King's punching Ronnie in the gut, his weakest area right there. Um, and the bell rings for the second round, and Ronnie is just exhausted already. He's sitting on the bottom turnbuckle. Um, they couldn't afford stools to put these guys on like right. a real boxing match, so they just have to sit on the turnbuckle there. Um, and the random lady on commentary says, I'd be more afraid of Ronnie Bigasi sitting on me than I would him punching me. Yeah. <laughs> she's not she's wrong. Not, she's not wrong. Yeah. Uh, um. Yeah, Ronnie knocks, uh, or Lawler knocks down Humpty Dumpty again, punches him down. Commentary is just bashing how fat he is. Oh, and, so yeah, bad. Lawler backs him into a corner, 
Master of Pain then trips Jerry Lawler, and the match is going to wound up ending in a DQ here. So I thought that was a rest period in between, but looks like we went straight from round one to round two. So well, yeah, they went, and the commentary was confused too because Master Payne jumps in the ring, and him and Ronnie are just double teaming Lawler, and Dave Brown simply thinks this is the end of round two, and it's legal for the corner man to attack during this thirty second rest period, uh, and, and finally realizes that <laughs> this must be a disqualification, I guess. But uh, Gossett, he takes his moment to shine here and he actually while master Payne's beating lawler up he hits a big shot and knocks lawler down he throws the referee down he's like superman in there now yeah well master Payne leg drops lawler again and then out come some guys are you ready for these names we got that commentary says this in this order here comes freddie billy travis jeff jarrett dustin rhodes and action jackson how about that Survivor Series team? <laughs> How about Freddy? He's just Freddy. <laughs> they oh, didn't say his name. Well, did you see Freddy? Uh, no. It's Freddy Krueger. <laughs> it's a guy <laughs> Freddy Krueger sweater. Notice. Oh, you only see him for a split second. Okay, but that's why. It's Freddy Krueger, which is... Ah, that's why. Okay. Memphis used to do stuff like that. Yeah. Have, it's like, like Christmas creature and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that guy dressed as Freddy Krueger. Wow. They just called him Freddy. <laughs> He said, oh. said like the red and black sweater. That's amazing. I totally miss that. That's even better. And he's a baby face for some reason. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Why not? Oh, well, after this, man. After the end of this, Ronnie goes over to commentary. So I'm going to do the same thing to Jackie Fargo. So he's trying to get in the ring with Jackie Fargo and box him too. He so. doesn't care. He has no shame. No. Doesn't matter that he cheated to win. None of that matters. Oh, well, no, nothing matters. You know, After that embarrassment, I guess uh, – Master Payne maybe was banned by the Boxing Commission, the Wrestling Commission or something, because he's going to have to travel, take a plane ride back to Texas for a little bit, uh, go learn a new hold in a new territory. And uh, he's going to go by the name of the Punisher here temporarily. And uh, we wanted to cover this. It's from the USWA, November 4th, 1989, because it's the Punisher against a very young, very blonde Steve Williams not Dr. Death, but right. the man who would go on to be Stone Cold Steve Austin. Can you believe these two guys faced uh, at, at this young age and these gimmicks? Man, this was cool to see. It was very cool to see, man. It's Stone Cold versus Taker, man. The main event of, of SummerSlam nine years later. No, ten years, no, nine years later. Yeah, yeah, that's wild. One of the greatest feuds in professional wrestling history. And here they, they are. They face more on pay-per-view than anybody else of, of them two. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. And here they are in USWA. So... Uh, it's crazy, but yeah, Punisher's got a mask on. Back so. to the mask, and uh, this time it's got like a ponytail sticking out of it. I don't think that's Mark Calloway's hair. It doesn't you think so? It seems a lot longer than it had been. Maybe it had been grown out. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it looked kind of straight. Maybe it straightened it, because his hair's kind of curly. Maybe that's why. Bit. Maybe it's straight. I don't know. It could have been fake. Yeah. But anyway, he's got a new manager now. we got Skandar Akbar. Skandar Akbar, another name I've heard a lot but never really seen before. You know, he gets on commentary and, and he complains. But it's like such disrespect. You see this rag here, business has got out of hand. I've got a legitimate complaint about this. Don't call me raghead. I'm the godfather. And don't you forget it, the general. You know, I think some lawsuits are in order. We ought to get your lawyers out in the parking lot and get some of these license plate numbers. And I wrote, yikes. Yeah. Can't do that. <laughs> no, nope. That's not great. Yeah. Well, he's just a white dude. 
Like he says that's not great that's either. A, yeah. No, yeah. No, I'm, I'm just saying, like, it's I've always heard Skander Akbar and I've heard like JBL talk about him and stuff. I never knew he was a white guy. I mm. thought he was, you know, a Middle Eastern type guy. Right. Um, just based on the name, which is just crazy. But anyway. Uh, well, yeah, let's talk about Steve Williams because he, I mean, he is. Luscious locks. Oh, beautiful, dude. I I'm mean, trying. Your hair is looking good, but you got nothing on <laughs> Steve Williams back no. then. Uh, but he's, he's in phenomenal shape, dude. He is not a, uh, uh, he hadn't eaten carbs in, <laughs> in years, man. He just looks incredible. He was just playing football like a year before, man, like at North Texas or there. Like it's, he looks like he's in football shape. Absolutely. Like he looks great. Shredded. Dude. Um, yeah. these two lock up and, uh, Punisher backs, uh, Steve into the corner. Uh, they lock up again. Steve gets a headlock and Punisher turns Long it into headlock. a back suplex. It's a big yep. stomp on Williams. And uh, there's not much after that. Running, diving, clothesline, leg drop by who I called him Big Pun. And uh, that's it. <laughs> that's the end of the match. So, yeah. Yep, crazy. that's it. And then apparently Dustin Rhodes is making his debut next week. So we get told that. So there you go. And that's just, again, that's the crazy thing about the world of wrestling is nine years from this moment. These yep. two guys are going to headline Madison Square Garden from this, you know, it's crazy. 45 second squash match to having, you know, the biggest angle in the history of wrestling. And you know, up at that point, you know, the summer of yeah. 98, Attitude Era, yeah, two of the biggest stars in the history of professional wrestling. At Using least, the ATDC. That's right, man. You would have yeah. never, never known that. So, no. Yeah, just think about that next time you're watching NXT or, uh, <laughs> or AEW after dark or ring of honor or something you see two young guys competing you never know dude yep. you never you really truly never know, never know. um you, you probably wouldn't have thought uh sammy zane you know watching him as a young el generico or a little daniel uh, brian danielson or something like that mm-hmm. you know would go on to have the career that he had but there they are it's great see right. punk and samoa joe in front of eighty thousand people you wouldn't have thought that watching ring of honor that they would necessarily be able to do that but there they are pretty cool Team Punk, Jack Perry, backstage. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> backstage is small. <laughs> oh, AEW should bring that video game back. Dude. Just saw just have CM Punk on the It's all CM Punk matches. You, you can only play <laughs> as CM Punk. Be, can only play as CM Punk. Backstage, AEW backstage is small. It's just, he's the only guy he can choose. It's like when you used to play Mortal Kombat, you had to go like, like when you yes. played the actual story mode, you had to go up to like ladder. That's it. You just punk and you just have to go up the ladder and people. <laughs> You're welcome, Tony. You're welcome. Tony. We'll take a little cut, five percent. Um, well, another uh, pairing of guys uh, you wouldn't believe paired up this young in their career, but here they yeah. are. Uh, Master Pain is uh, traveled back to Memphis, December 9th, nineteen eighty-nine. He's got a new partner. He's got the Soul Taker, not the Undertaker. He's got the Soul Taker. Who's the Soul Taker, Travis? That's our boy, the friend of the show, the Godfather. Oh my goodness! Looking uh, <laughs> very intimidating with his mohawk and tattoos, straight out of a biker gang. Um, these guys look awesome, like matching leather chaps. Like these guys should have been tag team <laughs> champions in WWE oh, yeah. or WCW. Man, they, they look massive, very scary. Uh, yeah. Their opponents do not. Uh, the Chris's, Chris, yeah, Chris Allen. Allen and Chris. Coral. Corral, but it's coral, yeah. <laughs> Not Chris quite and Chris. intimidating here, man. 
Yeah, but I do love that their uh, manager's name is Nate the Rat, and I was like, "What?" But yeah, apparently his name is Nathaniel Whitlock. He's Nate the Rat, so oh, I'd never heard of him. No, oh, that it is, brother. That it is. Uh, that, that's Nate's catchphrase. He says after every sentence as he joins us on commentary. <laughs> These are the two biggest brutes that it is in professional wrestling. The toughest <laughs> men that it is. The premier <laughs> team of the nineties that it is. <laughs> Uh, that it is. <laughs> sure it's a dot, 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 that it is. That it is. <laughs> uh, MOP, go from there? he's learned some new holds, dude. He hits this big karate kick to Chris number one. Right, got some new moves and goes back to a body slam and tags in the soul taker. They get a double boot. Eat that, you double clothesline, mm. baby. Uh, soul taker comes in looking like a monster. It's a body slam on Chris number one. Tosses him out to Chris 2, hits the whole train splash, and uh, demolishes Chris 2, tags in the master of pain, big leg drop. Minute 36 <laughs> seconds. <laughs> I'm allergic to the Chris's. I don't blame you. That it is, brother. That it is. Uh, that it is. Yeah. Minute 36, that it is. Nate the Rat, <laughs> he asked for a standing ovation for the yeah. premier tag team, that it is. And uh, <laughs> Master of Pain says, you need to take a good look because there's never been so much fire, so much speed, and so much pure meanness in a professional wrestling ring. The toughest men in professional wrestling, the two biggest brutes that it is. Tell them about it, Pain. You know, you need to take a good look because the face of professional wrestling is being changed right before your eyes. Never has there been so much size, speed, and pure meanness and uh, I guess him and Dutch Mantel have split up because he starts cutting a yeah. promo on him, says he sent him into exile, had him leave the CWA, and calls him an idiot, says the Master of Pain has a master plan, and if he ain't standing in front of him, he's going to be standing over him. Which Boom. probably sounded a lot more intimidating in his head than when he yeah. said it. Didn't quite make any sense. He passes the mic Take off to the Soul Taker. Yeah. He threatens Jerry Lawler and Dutch and says, the big man have run the roads together on Harleys, and everybody's in jeopardy. Well, now I got the big man behind me. You didn't know that we were friends. You didn't know that we rolled those long highways together on them Harleys, did you, boy? Well, now you know, because we can't. We're going to do nasty, evil things to you. We're going to run through the CWA. All belts, all people in jeopardy. Well, I tell you what, um, no discredit to Master Payne, but Soul Taker, he was already a better promo. Oh, yeah. He sounded way more intimidating and confident on the mic than Master Payne did. And um, it's really amazing because you look, you know, just a year from this, Undertaker's going to be in WWE. And uh, they really uh, saw, maybe saw his weaknesses on the microphone, which is why they paired him up with Paul Bearer. But, you know, Undertaker would still cut promos, but just giving him, like, one sentence or two sentences to say in that deep Undertaker voice and that intimidating voice. I mean, it's amazing how quickly he found himself by being able to adapt into that rather rather than struggling as this 
Master of Pain. What is the Master of Pain? Yeah. You know, yeah. uh, we, we heard Randy talk about Terry Funk talking about, you know, Master of Pain. What is that? <laughs> that doesn't mean anything. Who is this guy? Um, yeah, you know what I'm trying to say? He was just giving him oh, yeah. some purpose or something was able to help him really come into his own. Without a doubt. They definitely, you know, they always say uh, hide the weaknesses and, you know, highlight the strength. So his strength was character and stuff. So he had the character stuff down even back then. Just like as far as the presence in the ring. I mean, not the talking, but yeah, he didn't have a talking. He really didn't. And uh, he, he gets it eventually. Oh, he does for sure. For sure. Uh, well, that was so much fun. So much crazy squashes and everything. Um, I thought it'd be fun to end this uh, with more of an actual in-ring match uh, and that final gimmick of Mark Calloway before he became Mean Mark and uh, started doing all that stuff. Is he goes over to Japan? Uh, we talked about this on our Scott Hall tribute yeah. episode of a awesome tag team match of a. Uh, Punisher Dice Morgan and Scott Hall yeah. over in Japan. Here's another one of Punisher Dice Morgan uh, with another absolute legend, Bam Bam Bigelow, uh, going up against Masa Saito and Shinya Hashimoto in March of 1990. Um, and uh, just interesting to see Master Payne or Mark Calloway, Punisher Dice Morgan, really having to go outside of a minute long squash match and actually yeah. wrestle here. Yeah. And Bam Bam is, you know, he's definitely not the Bam Bam. We came to know as big, you know, he, he looks pretty good. And now he always moved well for a big guy. He, he's one of the best big guys there ever was, you know, he moves. So he moved like a lightweight, but he was big, but here he's even smaller. So it just, he moves a lot more, but, um, as a real missed opportunity the, that, um, Master Payne Punisher didn't wear his Harlem heat gear. Teaming up exactly. with Bam Bam, with Bam, Bam What is yeah. he thinking, man? Would look great, man. But Big Bigelow starts and uh, tries to fill each other out. Him and I think Hashimoto take turns running in each other, but neither one of them backs down. You know, it's Godzilla versus King Kong. They can't take each other down. And Bam Bam misses her body press and gets kicked out of the ring by Hashimoto. Yeah, Dice comes in. They do some double teaming and... Uh, Dice goes for one of my all-time favorite moves that you just don't see at all anymore. Nope. He puts the hand up for the test of strength. Uh, right. And works Shinya down with that. Uh, hits a couple of body slams off that. Gets a two count on him. Yep. Gets a big running stomp and then kind of does like a running body press or something for a two count. I don't know what it is. He's just making it up. And then he goes to top rope and goes for a splash and Hashimoto moves out the way. So... Did not stick the landing there. No, he did not. Uh, Hashimoto hits a reverse kick and a DDT, tags in uh, Masa Saito, uh, goes some stiff chops yeah. that would make uh, Gunther proud. Um, yes, sir. Turns Dice over slowly into a Boston Crab, and Bam Bam's going to make the save off that. Uh, Hashimoto's going to tag in. They're going to double team Dice Morgan. Dice going to work him into the corner, get a kick to Shinya Hashimoto, and tag in old Bammer. Yes, and, then I, and by the way, Bam Bam has been doing that fallen headbutt a lot, mm. that one that he's so famous for. He does it probably too much during this match. He's probably. A, they, they're not, he's probably not used to going 13 minutes either. But um, but anyway, got a delayed suplex, real ugly headlock. And then he gets It gets reversed, and then uh, Hashimoto's dragging him over to the corner. And looks like for real, Bam Bam doesn't want to go. He's just kind of like, nah, right. not gonna, not gonna, not gonna go. So, 
yeah, it was weird. Definitely a lack of communication here between these guys. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Bam's going to go tag in Dice. Sight uh, uh, is going to work him over. Dice is going to recover. And Bam Bam you know, comes in. And he hits a beautiful drop kick and, and again, uh, spams that headbutt. Yeah. And then, like, Saito, he – a little malfunction of the junction here. He's like, screw that. And he just goes up, pops back up, hits a big suplex on Bam Bam Bigelow. And uh, yeah. goes for the cover, and, and Dice makes the save. Uh, these guys are uh, just running in and breaking up all these pins every single time. Yeah, and like you said, they uh, it's it's this is a lengthy match. You know, it's I think it winds up being thirteen minutes, so uh, we're, it's a lot longer than what we've been used to watching on this on this uh, list of matches we have here. So um, after that, Sato's going to get Bam Bam up for a body slam that Bam Bam kind of sandbags him. And uh, gets him Saito in the corner, and they, like you can tell, they're just not. There's something off here. They're not right. on the same page. I mean, there's obviously a language barrier, but right. there's something else off there, too. And then Dice tags in and hits a leg drop on Saito, and Hashimoto makes a save, and then Dice is going to get him in a good old chin lock. If you don't oh. know what's going on, grab a chin lock. And grab let's, a hold. Let's, let's recalibrate here. <laughs> so, uh, tag out to Bam Bam. Uh, they hit a pair of elbows to Saito. Some nice double team action. Uh, some more falling headbutts from Bam Bam, but Saito kicks out of that. Uh, tag out to Dice again. It's a big running boot, and Saito just no sells that. Starts fighting back, rakes the eyes, um, yeah. gets a clothesline, and then uh, everybody gets uh, flying out of the ring, and things have just kind of gotten out of control out here. Yeah, it's a pier six brawl here at this point it's just everybody's out of control and uh hashimoto runs in to fight with dice uh, morgan now and uh bam bam rolls back in saito and dice hits a suplex on him and hashimoto breaks it up now and all four guys are fighting and dice picks up saito in a body slam and bam bam runs into him and squashes him so that's going (laughs) to lead us to our finish here on on big old bigelow's belly interesting double team move there it's like yeah like a chad gable and otis kind of deal yeah, or something exactly um this is pretty cool finisher uh here punisher dice morgan the undertaker is going to go up to the top rope and then he's going to do a rope walk not not the old school rope walk that we know but he's going to just kind of slide a little bit across that top rope uh before he jumps off it there and hits an elbow drop on saito and that gets a yeah. three count so a big win yeah. for the young americans yeah Young Americans, David Ooh. Bowie style, yeah, but yeah, he uh, you know, that elbow drops kind of like what Xavier Woods will do nowadays, or uh, Grayson Waller will do, they'll walk a little bit on the rope and then do it. So, pretty cool to see him. I think he did it in that match with Scott Hall. Uh, I think you're right, partner. I think it's a Japanese special for him, I guess, yeah, so. but you know, sort of a, a nod to what he would do walking the mm-hmm. ropes in the future. Uh, very yeah. cool, man. Uh, now, so yeah. I will say. That match was it was fun to watch because it was different, but it was not my favorite because there's no Ronnie P. Gossett. <laughs> no, it was cool not. To see like Bam Bam and just see those. I mean, Saito and Hashimoto are are, are stars, and I was surprised they won. I was. Shocked oh, I was too. The Americans won, dude. I had no idea. And of course, it was in Japan, so Dave Meltzer did give it five stars, and he thought it was his favorite out of all yeah. the matches. Of course, we all know yeah. that. Um, exactly. But yeah, a little another glimpse back into the man who would become Undertaker in his earliest days. Uh, he did not come out of the womb fully formed as the Undertaker. He had to go pay his dues. Or the egg. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. That was a layup. Uh, 
<laughs> now he had to go pay his dues. He had to go work the territories. And so it was very fun to see him change and evolve and grow and learn <clears throat> the ropes uh, before, uh, you know, literally, literally learn the ropes and, and learn the in-ring stuff and the character stuff that he would go on to use. And you see that watching all these little things, you see these nuances and, and things that he would carry and take from other people uh, as he would grow into the undertaker. Yeah, absolutely. It was fun. Uh, again, I can't encourage you enough to go back and watch this Memphis stuff, man. Ronnie P. Gossett is, he's a gym dude. He's the best hall of fame. 2024 Philadelphia. Let's go. <laughs> he's not a jungle gym. But no, he's not. He's not. <laughs> He's never even seen the jungle gym. He doesn't even know where <laughs> one would be on the playground. So. Well, Jerry Lawler could probably show him. But Bro, um way. <laughs> I tell you what, man, I never thought six years ago we'd be covering a boxing match featuring Mark Calloway uh, as a boxing trainer up against Jerry the King. Right? He's like he's a regular Don King out there. He he's is. great. Oh, man. Well, we'd love to hear your thoughts on this. And uh, we have shared uh, this entire playlist on our social media channel. I've put a link to it in the show notes for this episode as well. So if this stuff sounds unfamiliar uh, or, 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 or as you're listening to this, you know, I encourage you to at least go watch something. If nothing else, go watch that boxing match. Yeah, that's go what watch, started it all. You know, go watch a little bit of that Texas footage. Just kind of go get a taste of it. Uh, but really, it's about an hour's worth of material, yeah. so you can kind of blow through that, and it goes by really fast. Each segment's like, you know, max five minutes besides that last match. So if you're watching this, especially if you've never seen Mark Calloway in this shape or form, please go check out that footage. If you enjoyed this episode and you want more, you can go hear part one of uh, The Master of Pain in Memphis. And uh, I, I think that footage we we watched it on this weird app the wrestling tv app mm-hmm. i think that app i'm not even sure that exists anymore uh, or that footage is, is kind of hard to find nowadays but you can find most of this stuff on youtube and elsewhere yeah um uh, let us know do you want is there enough for round three i'm sure we can cool. dig more up we can find more of it you know we're always yeah. game for it let us know what you think out there folks hit us up on twitter i'm still calling it twitter these days facebook instagram yeah, you can go follow Travis on TikTok. Maybe he'll create us a Talking Taker TikTok <laughs> page. I don't know. I'm going to let him do that. I'm not Take on TikTok talk. at all. That's right. TikTok. <clears throat> talking Taker. Oh, oh, my goodness. We should make one called that, Talking Taker. It's on you, brother. You got it. I, I made all the other ones. Uh, you got to do the TikTok. That's on you. Oh, Talking Taker. That's so good. <laughs> Guys, two great ideas. I say just Talking Taker. That's what Jeez. we do here on Talking Taker. Um, leaky nose and all so far about that guys <laughs> allergies kicked up tonight we understand it's all good it's brutal uh, and we will of course uh be back here on october 1st with a brand new episode of talking taker and you can thank travis for this one as well uh, i think he pitched this and said we had to do it it's the five year anniversary of a classic undertaker match you know we usually go back 20 years 25 years 15 years to classic taker matches we're gonna go back five years to crown jewel 2018 (laughs) the legacy of the brothers of destruction and dx we're gonna do a watch along style for real we're really doing this it's not a joke um for just in time for halloween we're gonna look at one of the undertaker's spookiest matches (laughs) of all tism um yeah was it as 
great as we remember or is it uh, even greater uh let's just say yeah. that uh it'll be fun we're gonna think have we had fun tonight we're gonna have fun oh, next yeah. month covering that uh so join us there as we revisit that like i said uh, follow us uh, everywhere. Be sure you subscribed to us wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe on YouTube as well. And I uh, want to shout out. Um, we have not done, we don't do as many social media shout outs as we used to since we're not weekly. We record these in advance a lot. But um, talking taker, that's genius. <laughs> <laughs> I want to shout out um, someone who reached out to us on Instagram, a guy named Anthony. And he sent me a message, and uh, I don't think I shared this with you yet, Travis, but he said uh, a couple weeks ago, Hello, Alex and Travis. I not long ago discovered your podcast on YouTube. So thank you for that, Anthony. Hope you subscribe. He said, Like both of you, I decided to go through the career of The Undertaker match by match. I'm 20 years old now. The first Undertaker match I ever watched was WrestleMania 26 against Shawn Michaels. After Undertaker retired, I felt the urge to go back and watch his career throughout the ages. This is not the first time I attempted this journey. The furthest I ever made it before was Undertaker and Great Khali's feud, which totally understand why that one stopped you in your tracks. (laughs) He said, but after discovering your podcast, I felt the drive to try to finish it together with you guys. I found your podcast while trying to find The Undertaker versus Farouk from King of the Ring 1997 and really enjoyed it. One of my favorite episodes. (laughs) After watching that episode, I watched all the previous ones. And from there on, I watched the matches together with your videos. I uh, watched the pay-per-view Raw and SmackDown matches of Undertaker, and uh, I love your podcast. And by the way, both of you guys uh, go through, uh, I love the way you guys do it. Recently finished Over the Edge 1999. Look forward to watching every episode afterward. A little bonus, I had the luck to see The Undertaker's final house show match at Madison Square Garden back in 2018, where he teamed with Roman Reigns and Braun Strowman to face Baron Corbin, Elias and Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens, yeah. I'm so happy awesome. I had the opportunity to see Undertaker for the first and probably for the last time in person. Seeing his entrance and feeling his presence in aura as he entered the ring and left the area was magical. Thank you both. Man, that's awesome, dude. Thank you for sharing that. Thank that's you, awesome. Anthony. Yes, thank you yeah, for thanks, watching, listening, supporting. I mean, that always uh, is exciting and, and honestly heartwarming to know that people are doing that. I think it's so cool. We, we've heard stories of people kind of going through uh, starting at the beginning and going through it now. Here we are six years later. That's incredible. So uh, it'll be a long time before you hear this, Anthony. But uh, yeah. <laughs> when you do, I hope it pops you uh, and excites yeah. you. Uh, <laughs> that's that's awesome, cool. man. Thanks. Thanks, Anthony. Uh, shout out as well to the Bottom Line Wrestling Cast. Um, I was uh, honored to be a part of their episode covering the Stone Cold Metal album uh, a couple weeks ago. I said it before, uh, much like... Uh, Masters of Pain and Memphis, that was one of the most fun podcasts I've ever gotten to record going through that album and just talking 80s rock and roll and talking about songs that rock and songs that do not with Mike and JV. So very different episode. We didn't talk much wrestling at all, but talked about that Stone Cold Metal album. And if you were a fan in the Attitude Era, you probably listened to that or heard that. So I highly encourage people to check that episode of the Bottom Line Wrestling Cast out. Yeah, it was a fun listen. I, I definitely listened to it as soon as it dropped, and I was excited to hear it. You guys had a blasty blast talking about all that music. It was fun. You could feel the energy, and yeah, I definitely recommend you guys check it out. It was fun. There's uh, some, there's some, some bad songs from that. <laughs> some, some good stuff. Too. Some, some good ones. We won't spoil it. Y'all go listen. <laughs> 
Uh, of course, shout out friend of the show, watching along Tommy. Uh, you can get a different perspective of the SummerSlam trip over on his vlog on YouTube. Check out at Watch Along Wrestling. Make sure you're subscribed over there. He's got uh, he did it day by day vlog of the trip, so you'll see different footage that I didn't have in there, different perspective of everything. Get the full SummerSlam 2023 experience over there. And then uh, a friend of the show, Stephen Zeman, Collecting Dead Man. Uh, his podcast is on a little bit of a pause. He's kind of going on, uh, you know, got buried alive a little He's bit. Like Taker, man. He's going to resurrect it uh, yeah. one day down the road, I'm sure. But uh, Stephen, you know, I've opened up a couple of boxes of some incredible Undertaker items on YouTube, some hilarious Undertaker surprises, things you didn't even realize existed. Uh, so check that out on the YouTube channel as well. And thank you, Stephen, for all you do. And uh, finally, Travis, I've got to say, again, I mentioned earlier, tpublic.com, uh, look for the Talking Taker store, because by the time this episode drops, I've got the designs on there, they're going to drop when this episode drops on September 1st, so they will be on sale, they're always on sale for the first three days, so the next three days, listen to this, I've got a great WWE produced Mean Mark Callis shirt, but I don't think there's ever been any merch for Master of Pain or Punisher Dice Morgan. So we've got the world's first ever Master of Pain and Punisher Dice Morgan t-shirts on our Talking awesome. Taker store. Um, you can get them on t-shirts, stickers, mugs, baby onesies. You know you gotta have a baby onesie with Punisher Dice Morgan's logo on there. <laughs> yeah. Check that and that out. it is. And that it is on Talking Taker's <laughs> T Public store. Get the new Master of Pain and Punisher Dice Morgan merch exclusive, only place in the world. And uh last sure. but not least, I want to shout out another fan and listener of the show, Princeton John. Congratulations on your newborn baby as well. Very excited. Uh, uh, I know you're enjoying your baby girl. So congratulations. Happy for you. Uh, enjoy it. Congratulations. Awesome. Congrats, man. Very good. That it is, man. And, that it uh, is. Man, you guys stay safe out there. Whew, take some Benadryl. Uh, enjoy college football season. Enjoy your NFL season. For those of you who enjoy that, I don't. But enjoy your college football, enjoy your football, enjoy all of it, and uh, stay safe out there. And as always, God it always says, take her easy. <laughs> Should we switch to that it is? <laughs> no. <laughs> I thought about it. I went straight to my doctor that afternoon and I told him, I need an EKG immediately. The doctor tells me after the EKG, Ronnie Gossett, you should in no way get in that ring. Because your heart's the size of a basketball. I take my note. Let me tell you. I take my note down the ringside at the matches. And I show my note that I am in no way fit to wrestle. In no shape to get in that ring. Do I get any compassion from the fans? No. They make me get into the ring in my condition. I'm climbing those steps, Dave Brown. Don't interrupt me. As I'm climbing those steps, Dave Brown, I feel the pain deep in my chest. But I go on anyway. I climb up, and when I walk through the rope, I finally have the big one. I fall to my knees. And as I'm laying there, do you think these incompassionate, uncaring morons care? They don't even call an ambulance. They don't even ask, is there a doctor in the house? I'm laying there in excruciating pain, 
and I'm looking up. And what does that big fat slob, Cowboy Frazier do? He drops that leg across my head. So no longer, no sooner did I have a massive heart attack than I now have a concussion. They're out to get me, Dave Brown and Jackie Fargo and Jerry Lawler behind it, and I'm not going to take it. You end up getting yourself in these situations, Ronnie P. Gossett.